Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Colson, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. How's it going, Noel? It's going well. How are you today, Kate? I am just, like, overwhelmed with TV because, like, you go out of town for one week and (laughs) trying to catch up has been an interesting experience this week. I'm not completely caught up. I haven't even started on the Netflix shows and, like... Daredevil's right around the corner too, so I, I gotta is. I gotta get caught up on those. Uh, but I, I'm I'm caught up with a lot more than I was last week. So we're gonna be doing some some timed a timed roundup. We're gonna be doing some other catch up. It's gonna be a very full week in TV, but we're gonna also try not to go super long. I don't know if we could do this. What do you think? Uh, well, maybe if we just made everything a timed segment. Yeah. But then we, if we did that, then, I mean, we would only be running for what? If we did, like, two minutes on each show. I well, mean, but that's unacceptable because we need to do, like, an hour on Blackish and how amazing it was. We also need to do an hour on Fuller House and how <laughs> terrific it is. <laughs> it's not terrific. I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are going to have a lot of TV to dive in with. But before yeah. we head into that, I, of course, this week we are joined on the podcast by Jimmy Pardo. Uh, he, unfortunately, no, you were unable to join Join us for that segment, but at the DVD shelf, we're talking Kojak. Which is very exciting. Yeah, and it's wonderful to talk with, with Jimmy Pardo, uh, one of the first first big podcasters out there, uh, let alone, you know, got a, a long career in cinema comedy. And anyone who's listening to this and hasn't checked out, uh, is, is unfamiliar with uh, Never Not Funny or the, the podcast-a-thon that they do every year to raise money for charity, should absolutely check that out. That's going to be next weekend. Uh, but yeah, so it was great to talk with Jimmy, and that's going to be at the end of the podcast. But uh, before we talk, before I should say I talk a bunch of Kojak and, and fun <laughs> 70s cop uh, cop TV. Let's dive in with a a fuller week in comedy. See what I did there? Oh, I do see what you Is did there. Is that appropriately groan-worthy, everyone? Yeah, yeah. That was pretty terrible. Uh, so we're going to... But cleanse... appropriate, considering Fuller House. We're going to cleanse the palate with a little uh, crazy ex-girlfriend. And we'll be right back after this with our week in comedy. Hot water, which means cold showers. Next thing you know, your kids will be on crack. No hot water, which means cold showers. Which everyone knows is the gateway drug to crack, 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 crack. Now it's not just about the hot water, folks. If this landlord isn't taking one measly hour out of his day to fix your showers, then what's this scumbag doing with all your hard-earned cash? He's taking it and blowing it in a hand of pie gal at the Indian Casino. He's fat catting it at fancy restaurants like the Olive Garden. Red Lobster. Gasp is right. That's gasp with an uppercase G that ends with P, the first letter in pool. No hot water. No hot water. Which means cold showers. Next thing you know, your kids will be on crack. This makes sense. No hot water means cold, cold showers. And cold showers are the gateway drug to crack. Cold water is drugs. Yeah. That was cold showers from this week's episode of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. More on that later. Always love uh, to get a little uh, Music Man uh, inspiration in our TV. But first up, 
we're going to start off our weekend comedy with Fuller House. Noel's going to have some thoughts on that. Then I'll talk a little bit about the girls' premiere, Wedding Day, and do a timed roundup of, of Man Seeking Woman, Younger, and Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And Noel's going to keep me honest on that. But uh, then we'll go to Jane the Virgin, Chapter 34, J- Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Josh and I work on a case! And we'll wind up the week in comedy with Blackish Hope, which just, like, it was it was so good, guys. Yeah. It was really, really good. It was uh, really, really great. Uh, yeah. So before we do that, though, Fuller House, similarly in the same vein, right? Like, just as powerful and interesting. I mean, I, I say this facetiously. I've not seen any Fuller House. I'm trying to think if I could care less about Fuller House, and I don't think I could because I'm not, like – against it you know i'm not like morally opposed against so i just i'm at a baseline of i just i never particularly cared for the show full house and i know other people did but i just i have no nostalgic feeling towards it at all i will eventually Mm -hmm. i'm sure watch at least the premiere but um should i be more excited what 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 was your relationship with full house nolan how did that affect your viewing of fuller house uh, Full House was one of those really definitive, which is a terrible thing to say, but one of those kind of definitive shows for me and my family. Like we watched a lot of think uh, TGI TGIF in my in my households, and so the stuff like Fuller House, Step by Step, uh, Family Matters. I mean, th- these were like bedrock programming choices in my house my households. See, I remember these all very fondly. Boy Meets World as well, very yeah. fondly. Just like, I don't, I'm sure I watched Full House. I yeah. must have, just <laughs> demographically, but I right. don't. Don't yeah. remember anything. Cut it yeah. out is like the extent of my memory. <laughs> no, I remember like all of the taglines, um, which is so depressing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, it was always like one of those things that's like consciously like, I was, I, I, I remember certain episodes. I remember just like, or yeah, no, I remember the show pretty well. Um, but I wasn't excited about this in any way, shape or form. Um, mainly because it was just like, I didn't see any reason for this to happen. And there isn't a reason for this to have happened beyond the fact that we're in an era of, oh, we can recycle things and we can tweak things, but without having to really tweak them and all this sort of stuff. And we're also in a period where Netflix is trying to always keep expanding its children's original children's targeting original programming, which is one of the big reasons why they probably picked this up. And with that being said, I'm so not the target audience for this show, even though the show leans really heavily on a nostalgia factor, especially in the first two episodes. So it's this bizarre case of... It wants people who used to love the show, which would be you and me and other people within our age range, and then new people who have never, ever seen an episode of Full House in their lives and can come in and watch it. And it's just bizarre. The first episode is just the first episode of the first show. Just, yeah, no, it's it's basic. No, it's like beat for beat, more or less, the first episode where we set up the fact that DJ, who has just lost her who lost her firefighter husband, um, is now, like, raising three three kids on her own, three boys, and they're, like, having a big, like, family get-together as everyone's leaving that house in San Francisco that is worth a fortune at this point in San Francisco real estate. It has to be worth a ton of money. And 
uh, her sister Stephanie and her best friend Kimmy overhear her on the baby monitor that she's just feeling really stressed. And this is exactly what happened in the in the first episode of Full House. <laughs> and that's what causes Kimmy and Stephanie to decide to stay. It's what causes Danny to decide not to sell the house when he's moving to L.A. to do a national syndicated morning talk show. And it's just like, wait, this is the first episode. And to drive that home, they do a split screen of a scene from the first episode and that they reenact a scene in Fuller House from the first episode of Full House. And they split screen it so that you can see the comparison. Yeah. In the episode? they In the episode, yes. Wow. Yeah, it's really bizarre. That's very strange. Yeah. And the second episode is basically, oh, I have to go live with my brother, which is what the some of the first episode of Full House was, where it's just like, oh, I have to go live with my sister. I don't want to do that to make room for, like, the new people coming in. And so it's just a very bizarre type of thing that's going on in this show. Um, it's not good, but I'm also <laughs> not the target audience for it. So it feels bad to say that it's not good because this is a show, I think, that is very on par with a lot of Disney Channel sitcoms. And I think that that kind of an audience would probably really respond to this. Whereas I'm just like, no, this this isn't working for me. And some of the more meta stuff, like Jesse mentions that he hears violins anytime that they're about to have a big group hug. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, but that doesn't make any sense for you to be self-aware about this after eight seasons on the other show. And so it's this weird kind of humor and especially in the first two episodes, it settles down into a much more regular routine after those episodes. And yeah, I mean, it's not good by any stretch of the imagination, but it's, it's an interesting concept that I'm, I'm just interested to see if they decide to do more. And I'd be much more interested to see like some kid who has no connection to the show, watch the show and tell me what they think about it. Because that's who this show is for. And I'd be curious to see how they felt about it. That is very interesting. Um, just quickly, Fuller sure. House, Girl Meets World. Compare, oh, contrast. Gosh. No, this is no. That's a great question because I actually tweeted about this and almost did like a small t- Twitter essay, and then I stopped because Twitter essays are the worst. Don't do Twitter <laughs> essays. Um, but no, like when Girl Meets World. How much of Girl Meets World have you watched? Like or... maybe one episode. Like oh, very okay. little. Okay, first I should preface this by saying that I think Girl Meets World is an incredible television show. It's really, really good. Um, it's very smart, and it's very emotionally affecting in a lot of ways. And one of the big things that I would point to that Girl Meets World gets very, very correct and Fuller House gets very, very wrong is that when Girl Meets World taps into its nostalgia, taps into its past, it does so in a way that builds its characters and comments upon its characters both its old characters and its new characters so when they create parallels between like maya who's uh riley's best friend and is basically the sean character um so when sean comes and visits and has an immediate connection with maya and like they both have like parents who left and all this stuff it ends up for informing both their relationships but the characters as individuals which is really interesting and it enhances the show significantly. So the nostalgia isn't a gimmick. And the nostalgia on Full House is very much a gimmick. And it feels bizarre because it doesn't inform the comedy. It doesn't inform the characters. And it's just a very 
it's very poorly thought out. Um, one of the things I read is that Stam- John Stamos, who's one of the producers on Fuller House, and Jeff Franklin, who created Full House, is also created Fuller House, uh, kind of clashed over, politely clashed from the reports, over the tone and whether or not they should update the show for more modern sensibilities. And for the most part, they just kind of stayed roughly on par in the 90s. And that's also a really key thing that, uh, for the most part, Girl Meets World is kind of sidestepped, is that it's a little more aware of the time period it's in. And Fuller House feels like it could just as well happen in the 90s, but, I mean, then you wouldn't have dating site jokes and cell phones and diapers. Hmm. Yeah. It's a really bizarre little show. I'm almost tempted to watch more, but six episodes was probably, five episodes was probably enough. Yeah. That, I mean... Yeah. There's too much TV to watch yes. five episodes of a show that you're not connected to. Uh, that is yeah. it's very interesting. I, 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 if for no other reason than just the bafflement of that split screen, I will yeah. have to watch the pilot. Yeah, no, I would encourage just to watch that premiere and also ask yourself, what if if kids are the target audience for this show, half the casting meet the Flintstones? And exactly, Kate's making a face that goes, wait, do kids these days even know what the Flintstones are? And that is the correct face to make. <laughs> yeah. 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 They don't. Uh, <laughs> well, okay. A- anyways, yeah. let's move on to our next show. Yes, let's. I'm just kind of flummoxed. Like, literally, literally listeners, I was scratching my head earlier while we were talking because it just i'm confused uh but i'm not confused about the girls premiere wedding day i really loved the previous season finale uh so i was not super excited to see that this season begins with marnie's wedding to desi is the worst do you know anything because i know you don't watch girls uh do you want do you know anything about desi I know nothing about Desi. The only thing I know about this girls premiere is that I Adam Driver had full on Kylo Ren hair. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I know about this. Yeah. So yeah. Tell me why Desi's terrible Des- first, so oh. I have some context. I mean, I thought Mar I thought Marnie was is Marnie the one that's really terrible as well? Marnie's also the worst. Uh okay. but being with Desi has made especially when he's let her down and been terrible and so she's had to grow from that. Yeah. has made her better and in the finale of the previous season he didn't show up for their big gig and she uh reacted of course not very you know because it shot them in the foot this was their chance to get a, a record contract basically uh and then she but she just went on by herself even though she had really big stage fright and and did it herself and was awesome uh so i was like oh good that means that she's done with desi damn it no it doesn't because uh, he's he's just like i just <sighs> He might as well have a man bun. Can I just say that? Does that tell you enough? You, that tells me everything I need to know. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, he, oh, God, he's terrible. Um, so I, I enjoyed the premiere. Uh, I always, I mean, I really in, am invested in these characters. I, I, I love <laughs> the line about how being in Japan has made, made Shoshana even more of a cartoon character, um, which is delightful. Um, I um, I was both very happy to be in the world again and also uh damn it marnie really is terrible uh when she's passive aggressively getting shosh to kick uh fran out of the pre-wedding like women's space because he has a penis 
Uh, but then saying, no, you say, but I mean, if Shosh doesn't want you to stay, then, then maybe, but, but I, I, it's not my fault that you're getting kicked out, even though she orchestrated it. Um, so there's a lot of, of, of that, that is still very in keeping with characters, but can be frustrating. Uh, I'm not super happy to see some of the backpedaling of the progress from the finale. However, I do really like a lot of what we get and, uh, I'm, I'm back on board with the show. I, I think I'm just in the bag for girls at this point, and um, we'll see. I don't know if I'll check in on it weekly unless there's a particularly notable thing to talk about, element to talk about, since since you don't watch it and all. It's kind of hard, to, difficult show to really dive into on specifics. Um, like, I, like, I don't know how much my view on things is going to shift over the course of this season. They're very much in their wheel, like in their, in their lane. Um, but uh, I just I'm happy that there's a show like this on TV and that Lena Dunham gets to just do her thing and, and Jenny Connor too she gets to do their thing. Um, but yeah, I guess it's one of the less terrible weddings on in Girls. <laughs> but just you know they're, they they take the they make these characters who can be very very challenging and difficult and is. Wonderful to see characters allowed to be that terrible and difficult while also feeling real. Um, but they still get you to connect to them and tap into, you know, universal situations and, and fears. I've, I've been around enough weddings at this point and in bridal parties. And I mean, obviously, I started playing music for weddings when I was like in eighth grade. So I've been around a lot, a lot of weddings. Uh, so th- there's certain things that are just common tropes but they they managed to make them feel very real because they they speak to even if they <laughs> centered around really frustrating people they do speak to universal insecurities and fears and and how wedding makeup is always way too heavy <laughs> and as someone who has mostly sidestepped terrible bridesmaids dresses by having a mom who is a badass sewer and made <laughs> awesome dresses for me uh you know like there's a certain el- elements of the the wedding pre-wedding episode that uh, i can relate to but um no it was a strong premiere and i look forward to seeing what happens next not so sure about adam and 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 jessa but that could be good and hey if it keeps adam driver on the show that's a good thing so uh more thoughts as the season develops i guess but I'm gonna. I'm starting to 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 ramble here, and so we need to move to our our next show, which is Noel. You're gonna time me. On I this. am. How how much time am I putting on the clock for this? Okay. Why don't we? I'm gonna. Why don't I list off the episodes, and okay. then you start the clock, and I get three minutes. Listeners, I'm gonna be talking about Man Seeking Woman, um, Cactus and Fuse, then Younger, Into the Woods and Out of the Woods, and Beyond Therapy, and then Always Sunny. McPoyle versus Ponderosa, the trial of the century, and Charlie catches a leprechaun. You can see why I wanted to start the timer after I read all those titles. Right, no, that that seems fair to me. It's a long <laughs> series of episodes. Anyways, uh, go ahead and start the timer. Three minutes. Okay. Starting now. Go. Okay, Man Seeking Woman uh, had a, f- a fun two episodes. They're doing this thing, which is new for them, of just basically a straightforward, serialized uh, progression with 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 josh and this woman that he works with who he has feelings for um and so we met her current boyfriend jesus and then she breaks up with him off screen and then we get the uh most direct addressing of the friend zone and but i was really nice to her so she should have to date me which becomes law and then 
immediately Josh realizes this is a terrible idea uh, when a, a neighborhood vagrant opens the door for him and he says thank you and then therefore he has to date this this person. Yeah. Yes. Uh, played by, I want to say Kevin McDonald, one of the kids in the hall. Uh, an alum, always enjoy him. But uh, so, so, but anyway, so they've had each episode kind of pick up where the previous one left off. Um, and it's nice to see them playing with their form. I haven't been laughing as much. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the, the most effective one of this these recent ones is definitely Honey. Um, which was the sixth episode, but uh, I like that they're ta- they're trying some new things, and I hope I hope they'll effectively, uh, you know, come up with some some new concepts and higher concept ideas to tap into. Because the last two episodes have been solid and, and interesting, but I, I think there's they've gotten a little bit away from the whimsy that makes the show so much so so, so distinct and so much its own its own entity. Um, so. Solid, but I, you know, hopefully they'll they'll have some new stuff to go to. The the jazz singing, he's cool with it, <laughs> and his best friend wants to ask ask out Rosa, um, was 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 nice, but uh, went on a little too long. Maybe I don't know. There's there's some there's some good stuff, and I like that they're trying some new things, but. Uh, I think there's better yet to come. Uh, next up is... You have a minute left. Okay. Next up is Younger, <laughs> which I have been loving so much. Uh, the way that they are progressing Liza from basically... It seems like they're they're getting us, her and Josh, to a place where they can naturally break up. Not because of the age difference, but because of the stress that him not being able to tell the truth about her is mm-hmm. causing in, in their relationship uh, feels very organic and they're setting up Peter Herman to be her new love interest and everybody has awesome chemistry with everybody so I've just really been loving it it's been my rom-com to go to for for that so thank you very much younger super on board and always sunny has been hilarious I forgot how much this this show makes me laugh McPoyle versus Ponderosa trial of the century like that's the most I've just straight up laughed at something in quite a while so Awesome love for Always Sunny. Such a great show. I don't give you guys enough respect. Well done. How'd I do? You went two seconds over. No! Okay. Yeah. Oh, well. Two seconds over. I've, two I've, seconds I've over. failed. See, this is what happens. I've failed in my in my attempt. But it, it came pretty close, so I'll... I'll you give... did. I, I, I say we count that as a win. Count that as a win? Okay, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. Let's move on to our next show. We're talking, especially with Younger, about uh, rom-com moments. How did you feel about Jane the Virgin, Chapter 34, and their just straight-up shipping moment at the end of the episode? Michael's back. Michael's back. And Guess um, he didn't have that other girlfriend? Or does it now? Does not now? Yeah, no. I kind of lost track of michael's romantic entanglements i'm not gonna lie um but no so this is where i declare the fact that i kind of always liked michael more than Raphael. okay and hashtag team michael yeah hashtag team michael and also i'm just really excited for rogelio to find out that michael's back because the bromance will be back on he can be friends <laughs> again with michael and that's the reason i'm really excited about this um i saw that bit from the next week on trailer oh, it? Yeah. and it looks awesome <laughs> yeah i can't wait <laughs> i can't wait for that no so i'm not, i'm i'm really i'm interested in seeing them explain this basically and why she's still in love with michael mm-hmm. and where that decision's coming from yeah because i mean they've just been separated for so long and they've barely shared a whole lot of screen time together 
uh, recently. So I'm really interested to see how she works out still having feelings for him. And I'm really excited to see how that goes. Um, I feel bad for all the uh, uh, Raphael shippers um, just because that ship just hit a really hard rock this this week. I mean, that wasn't bad enough, but the whole, I'm not in love with you really anymore, but we're still really good co-parents. And it's just like, oh, ow, that sucks. How did you feel they did, though, comparing Raph with Louisa and that tie with Rose and, and Jane? I thought that was an effective way to bring those storylines together. Yeah, no, that was a really good way. Um, like, I mean, I had talked about how I felt like everyone was on different shows last week. And then this week I was just like, oh, hey, look, <laughs> they're all back on the same show. Look how much better this is. Yeah. Um, yeah, so no, I'm really grooving on that. And I also want more from Rogelio's Doctor Who telenovela. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag oh first male feminist. Uh, yeah, I just. Susan B. Anthony. <laughs> when he's he's granting Susan B. Anthony the right to vote because they yes. need a man to help them. Oh, my God. That was so much fun. Yeah. And it, then someone was trapped under a horse. Well, and I, I love when they're doing that. At the same time, uh, that's they make sure that the telenovela in the show is directed by a woman. I don't know if yeah. you noticed that, but like I did notice things, that. Yeah. I thought that, and they don't call any attention to it. But just little things like that, I really appreciate uh, them. Yeah. them doing so. Thank you, as ever, uh, Jane yeah. the Virgin people. That's, that's that, those kind of little details are. They, that's the kind of stuff that makes a, a big difference in how we perceive what norms should be. So, yes. yeah. Fabulous. Yeah. How, how did you feel about uh, Michael coming back? Um, I'm think, I'm glad that they did. I, I mean, Brett, Brett Deere, I think, is really good. And yes. If, if he's going to be on the show, he should be on the show. And they've, def, they've gotten Jane to a, the point where she is not interested in Raphael. And... Apparently, he's finally starting to understand that he needs to move on. Uh, a little so, bit, yeah. So I, I'm hopeful that they will be able to, in a, at least a couple episodes from now maybe, have M- Michael and Raphael share a scene without it just being about them pissing over Jane. Uh, yes. And that's that's the main concern I have with it. I'm super sure. on board for him being back and being involved and, you know, team... Michael and everything that's I'm cool with that uh, they have fabulous chemistry but um, yeah I just don't want to g- recycle the same interpersonal yeah. drama so if they can sidestep that then that's great uh, them just have like I the the biggest issue I have with where things may be headed is I really like Petra in general but yeah. I'm also not super on board with them just pretending all the crazy shit she did didn't happen and that okay. Raph is just good with her again because uh, she got herself pregnant with his sperm without telling him. Like, the the number of crazy, violent, destructive, bad... Like, she tried to frame him for sexual assaults and... Or, no, no, not sexual assault, sorry. He uh, tried to frame him for being with a prostitute and then uh, spousal abuse. Yeah. Uh, how you could ever trust somebody after they did something like that. I just, like... It feels a little too much like the show just wants us to forget all that. Um, and maybe yeah. and maybe I can just give them that because I do like the show so much and I do like the actor and the character uh, when she's not being character assassinated. But it just, it's a little, I'm having a little trouble with that. How, how are sure. you, what, how are you about that? 
Well, to to really prove your point, I'd kind of forgotten about the prostitute and the spousal <laughs> abuse. So I think that may answer your question. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think the overall idea of them trying to rehabilitate Petra, which is very much, I think, what they're trying to do, mm-hmm. uh, by having her and Raphael kind of enter into something resembling a relationship again that is more than more than frictional professionalism um, is a way to do that. But I think you make a really good point about the fact that this is all stuff that the show should remember, but it's also, because it's a tele, base draws influence from telenovelas and soaps, it's also something that they can bring back at the worst possible moment to gut punch you. So that may also be what they're doing. It's just like, oh, yeah, no, remember this? You thought we forgot and didn't care anymore, but no, boom. We're going to destroy this just when you were so invested in it by doing this. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a possibility of something that could happen very, very easily. Yeah, but then the trouble I have is if they're going to do that, I'm not going to invest in what they're trying to tell me now. You know what I mean? So, like, if they do that like once <laughs> then the next time they try to rebuild it a character would be like yeah i don't trust you because you're just gonna that's... and so that's it just it's such a tight rope to walk but then again that's yeah. what they've been doing all along on this show so yeah we'll see do you have any final thoughts on jane just um hashtag first male feminist <laughs> <laughs> well let's move on to crazy ex-girlfriend josh and i work on a case uh and we could start with how completely unstable uh rebecca is at i this feel point. like we should start with that <laughs> but but i feel like we have to start with daryl being a both sexual yes no we should start with that because that was really just amazing it was right? so good so great and so really elegantly done and l- low-keyed played mm-hmm. like i mean he had an epiphany and he was just like i'm okay with this i i want to explore this and it's just like oh and the show's just like all right let's do it and it's just like yes i mean it's not a very special episode it's not like a big struggle for daryl it's oh look i i really like both of these asses (laughs) yeah okay i'm i'm maybe into this and it's just i thought it was just really great and very just how low-key it was and how unangsty it was Mm mm-hmm was just amazing, I thought. And just, it was really great. It was just really, really great. Yeah. Well, and the whole, why aren't you gay, Josh? Like, because he's not, why Why would I be? I'm white, Josh. Yeah. He's not <laughs> straight, Josh. Just yeah. the, the the handling of that was really delightful. And, um, yeah, well well done. Tip of the tip of the cap. Yeah. And, and, and it also just worked so well with what we had previously seen. Like, that whole... What what does a kiss in the cheek, cheek mean? Scene where it was like he seemed like he was into it, but then maybe wasn't quite sure, and he was kind of confused. Like I thought they they played that whole progression really really well, and yeah. tip the cap to the writing, the directing, and the actors for that. Uh, let's talk about Rebecca though, because yeah. she's officially like they're they're giving her the crazy eyes. Okay, good, because I mean, like when I watched this episode and when I got done, my immediate thought was I was just like. I need to discuss this with Kate because I was just like, I really feel like, especially over the past, like two previous episodes and this one as well. Like the first thing that we needed to discuss was the fact that she's kind of becoming crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, but at the same time I was just like, okay, so 
it gets back to the theme song and I was just like, well, this is a really sexy, sexist term and the whole situation should be more nuanced than that. And I just went, okay, so am I being sexist by saying, if this was a guy doing this, would this just be crazy romantic or would it be stalkery as all fuck? It, it's stalkery as all it fuck. It should be all st- stalkery as all yeah. fuck. And so, but at the same time, like, I feel like in a rom-com type of situation, the guy would be okay in doing all of this, I feel like, depicted in mm-hmm. less critical ways. Yeah, it wouldn't be depicted the way that it right. is. It would be depicted yeah. as a romantic gesture and not as fucking creepy. Right. Have, have you ever experienced something like this where someone just, like, all of a sudden every they just always show up at every group activity that you're at when they didn't used to? Because I've experienced that and it's creepy well la dee da aren't we like well i the thing is i think most people have i think most no, people um, have no experience. one's no really? one's ever loved me that much i'm i'm sorry loved you said loved it's not loved it's no. like it's no so one's messed ever up. no one's ever been so obsessed with me <laughs> well and and it feels weird to because that's not what it it's i mean I'm not trying to say, oh, look, I'm so fabulous. I'm no, no, no. Follow. I know you're not. But, I but, just teasing but, you. But honestly, like, I, I do think that that is a thing. I mean, at least a lot of women have experienced. Sure. I think I that's know. fair. Yeah. Um, but in, in, when do you, like, start, you know, it's kind of weird that you're showing up at all the things that I'm at. And, yeah. You know, like, how do you, but you don't want to make a thing out of it. Cause yes. Because we're socialized not to as women. Yes. Um, and, and so I do think that like seeing it portrayed this way and having, <laughs> having Rebecca, sorry, having Rachel Bloom just go like super wide with the eyes when yes. she's talking about all this so we can see the whites all the way around the pupils. Um, it was really highlighting how destructive and creepy it is, but, but I, I, I like that they're not going so much in and how creepy it is, but they're emphasizing how destructive it is to her as yes. well. And I think that's an important distinction. Um, yeah. Another thing that I think is they're doing such a good job of is they're keeping us sort of on her side by making the people that, as the audience we agree with, be Valencia and, and Greg. Greg, who are teaming up together and like scheming garages. And you're just like, this is terrible. But also, I kind of love them together as like mm-hmm. working together. I'm just yeah. like, this is a fantastic idea. And whoever like as a as a room idea from a writer's room, I just went, oh, that's a really great idea because these are the two people that were like, something's off with her. Mm -hmm. Well, and just because Greg won't, sees through Valencia's crap, you know, so like that they're a much better pairing on that front. But, um, and then Rebecca just be like, you realize you're, you're agreeing with Valencia right now. Like, (laughs) come on, look at yourself when you're agreeing with (laughs) Valencia. Yes. So yeah, I, 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 I think that's an interesting and I like that in this, that it's an interesting discussion about gender that you're saying and, and yeah. preconceptions and everything. Uh, but I also like that in this episode, this is the episode where they have the straight one for one. Oh, that's crazy. That's a sexist term. Don't you remember how you were acting after this? And so the when they have the most direct con- conversation about that term and how we relate to behavior like this yeah. is the episode when Rebecca is the the least stable. Yeah. I, I really thought after you ruined everything, we were going to see a turn. Yes. Apparently not yet. No, just going to double down, in fact. Which, I mean, is kind of bold mm-hmm. and interesting. And, I mean, I'm also just really interested to see how Paula 
continues to enable, basically. Yeah. Which is really fascinating to see because, I mean, we've seen how Paula is very interested in this because, in no small part, because she wasn't satisfied with her marriage. And now her marriage is okay, but she's still pushing this idea Mm-hmm. Of this kind of behavior and like no 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 honey you're meant for Josh and it's just like but guys this isn't okay anymore and getting your getting his entire apartment complex with the music man number while amazing because god damn it I love the music man <laughs> um, and I love any sort of riff and you got trouble right here in River City um, it's just like it's I need there to be some kind of I'm ready for a reckoning, and I'm sure we'll get there, like, pretty soon. Yeah. Because, I mean, the episode order is, like, drawing down, because they don't have a full, full season. Yeah, this is episode 12. So, theoretically, we should expect something to come to a head at 13, because that was the original plan, and then Fallout in the next however many... Do you remember how many additional scripts they got? They, I don't think they got a full order. I think they got like an additional four or five, maybe. Mm-hmm. I want, I want to say they have maybe eighteen. Okay, I yeah. think that's right. That but no one right. quote me on that. Um, so yeah, no. So I'm ready for like something to really happen. And I mean, it, I don't know that it'll happen next week when they go to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. But I'm because I haven't watched the episode yet, even though I can. Sorry. And <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm just really interested to see where this goes because it's been really sneaky in how it's built this way that we were really sympathetic with her for so long. And now it's just like she took a really heavy turn with the party bus. Yeah. And she's just kind of steadily unraveling. And Mm -hmm. in a different way from how she unraveled in New York. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm really invested in seeing how this goes because, I mean, I'm really into this show, as I think we both are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, and I think the other thing about this is, like, I mean, the fact that we're couching it in a musical, I think, is also just really significantly, generically speaking, I think is really great. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm really very excited and concerned as well, just because I'm very concerned about Rebecca. (laughs) Well, normally this would have been, obviously, the weekend TV for comedy goes to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. No, I would have picked... I would have picked Fuller House. What are you talking about? Clearly. Then Black has showed up and gave us hope. Now, there had been (sighs) so much hype for this episode. A lot. A lot of hype. And it lived up to it and even exceeded that hype as far as I'm concerned. Yes. This is an amazing episode of television. Yes. Why don't don't you start, Noel? Uh, what, What was your reaction to the episode? And did hearing about it everything did that like really prepare you for what they did and what is your biggest takeaway well i i like i saw tweets about it mm-hmm. about like the episode but i refused to read anything about it so i just saw this episode's really great hey we talked to the cast we talked to we talked to folks about it and the, the writers and it was just like okay that's that's fine i'm not going to read any of this because i was just like I want to see this episode as clear, cleanly as possible type of thing. Um, and it's just, it was really, really good. Um, and just like, it tapped into a number of things that no other show, sadly on TV, could tap into because of the fact that no other show is blackish. For one of, no other show has this cast of African-Americans 
living their lives, basically. And um, so, I mean, they had to address it at some point if they were going to address it at all. And so much of it was just, like, rang true in the sense that, I mean, just from my my obvious white experience, but watching this stuff and being angry about it is different from someone who's black and deeply invested in the community watching this sort of uh, non-indictments being handed down for what clearly should have been an indictment. Um, is one of those things where I get angry, but it's just like, it's not the same type of anger because it can't be the same type of anger mm-hmm. uh, but it's still like resonated in that way and just dre's speech about obama walking down the street you're gonna get me crying here <laughs> right and i'm like on the verge of it too because yeah. like that entire speech is just like i thought the exact same fucking thing when mm-hmm. i saw that happen i just went oh don't do that mm-hmm. And, I mean, that, like, Anthony Anderson just killed that speech. Like, it was so on point. But the other thing to remember is that this episode is really, really funny at the same time. It's just, like, the whole, I refuse to let P.F. Chang's be a thing (laughs) (laughs) is amazing. And this idea of, no, I was really worried about Zoe having no depth. And I'm just like... This was just really funny, and it was very well balanced in the jokes hit at just the right moment to be a relief. Yeah. From the really powerful stuff that the show was doing. And even, like, this idea of Dre being a guy who said everything that Coates had said. (laughs) (laughs) No, I said that first! And it's just like, that is perfect A, Dre, but also within the family sitcom thing. That's perfect puffed-up dad stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it was just really, really great and just easily like one of the best episodes of TV A this year by a wide margin, but also just in recent memory. Like this was just really, really great. Um, I hope I didn't say everything that you wanted to say about Oh, no, <laughs> no. I'm sure we can both keep going for quite a while. Like, because of course, I immediately think of the Carmichael shows uh, episode. Yes. Which Similar, is also but, really great. Which is really, but, really good. But what this has th- that that show doesn't have is a, the younger generation. Yes, which so, is significant. Which makes a huge difference in this. And, and not just kids, but specifically really little kids and teenagers. So a lot of the coverage about this episode is focused on the fact that there are three generations. And there are. But that difference between being like an elementary school versus being you know, like about to go off to college in a year or two, like the, like the teenagers are, is a huge difference in how you perceive this stuff. And I think that's really crucial in this episode. Um, the, the, you, you mentioned the Obama part and that was the part of the episode that really, really got to me watching it because the rest of the conversation is really well, is really well done. It's making fantastic points and having a really great conversation with specificity so important and specific stats and you know, I'm yeah. sure that anybody who didn't know about some of this stuff who had a computer was was wikipedia and googling and everything which is a wonderful thing but those are all things that I think we those of us who are going to have conversations on this topic have had the, the Obama 
inauguration was not something I've seen. And like, and the, the complicated emotions that for so many people went with that yeah. is not something that I've seen other shows do or other people really bring up. And, and the fact that it's in this episode, that it, it's still important to these characters is still important. I think, I think it touched a nerve with a lot of us, which is why we're getting so emotional talking <laughs> about it, that it's still there. Like almost, you know, seven years later, it's still something that hangs over that experience and informs where we are. And it just really keyed into for me the elements of these issues that we like to think as a society we're moving beyond, but clearly are lingering and so, so very much and are just brought, have been brought more and more into the forefront through the Obama presidency and the reaction to it. Yes. Um, so it just that just took it to a whole no- another level. When you talk about the the comedy of the episode, having it be split again between, you know, puffed up dad, but also yeah. uh, the the uh, Ruby being like, nope, we're eating rice, or just I mean, how many times have you right had that, food? Have you had that conversation of where should we eat? And you talk about ten different things, but you all know you're going to end up at the least offensive choice for everyone. Um, you know, the, the, those just felt so natural and organic to to that family. And then when you talk about it being a relief, yes, it's a relief to the audience, but it's also very clearly a relief to the people in the room. And yes. having Zoe be the one continuing that food runner throughout and then breaking down because she's been really upset this whole time, but trying not to deal with it, which is why she's been the one returning to the joke the most frequently yeah. it just is so well crafted and, and i also really appreciate just like watching it because I, because i knew going into what the topic was uh, and i need to be very aware and very you know watching watching everybody reacting to everybody else in the episode was also really uh really affecting to me so watching lawrence fishburn when he's not responding when he doesn't jump in with something because pops likes to jump in with things but there's a lot of times when he the kids say something and your eye might immediately go to dre or Bo, but if your eyes go to to pops he just kind of goes uh that's not very helpful for our listeners he's kind of you know makes an expression and just looks to dre and Bo because he knows they have to answer this and yeah. so and so watching all of those little interplays that were happening Throughout the cast was was really, really something something else. Um, it's such. I mean, and we're again, we're two white millennials talking yes. about this. Uh, I can't imagine what it must feel like for someone who feels so who feels underrepresented on television to to watch these conversations play out, and then like feels threatened in society. I mean, like yeah. this discussion of. You only need seven words to talk to a police officer. Yeah. It's just like, that yeah. is not the case for us. No, no. you and I. No. And, and, but it just, it's, it's a remarkable episode of television, television from a structural point. It's a yes. bottle episode. They don't leave the room. And yet the, the, they sustain throughout the whole time very well. They, they pass back and forth through all the different characters they handle a lot that's a lot of characters in one room they make it work and then from a topic standpoint and then from a humor standpoint they they nail all of those and um 
Yeah. I mean, anybody, uh, anybody who's surprised that this cast can do drama as well as comedy should go back and watch some Treme and watch some S.H.I.E.L.D. and watch some of these other, you know, dramatic turns from this cast. But, um, some law and order. Some law, <laughs> law and order. Uh, but, um, yeah, they really, they absolutely nailed it. And this will be on end of year lists as best episodes of the year. Yeah, easily. Can't, can't, it can't not be. It was just amazing. Any, any, any final thoughts on Blackish? No, um, no, just, I, I think we've really nicely covered yeah. why Hope was really, really great. And we didn't actually start crying. We just got very close at certain Yeah, points. no, we got like Jesse L. Martin. Like quivering. T- quivering eye tears. Uh, yeah. Close. Go team. <laughs> well, obviously Blackish wins our yes. weekly comedy. Uh, yeah. Do you want to give a runner up or just, or I, I personally just like, no. <laughs> nothing else deserves to be a runner-up to that no no there's like anything else would just be so far in the distance away that yeah. no no yep congratulations blackish important television that is also really freaking hilarious television yeah tip of the cap okay now we're gonna take a break collect ourselves listen to a little bit of the agent carter cast singing and we'll be back with our week in genre baby i assume that you always knew it's simply me and you Love leaves you blind Baby, you can read my mind All that's been left unsaid You know the score What I've been waiting for What you gonna do it's up to you. What you gonna do? Two hearts waiting. Who you gonna choose? Stop debating. Who's it gonna be? Quit that pleading. What you gonna do? It's up to you. This week in genre, we're gonna discuss. That's the word. The X Files finale. My struggle too. That I'm going to do a quick roundup of Walking Dead, No Way Out, and The Next World, as well as 112263, The Rabbit Hole, and The Kill Floor. And then we'll talk a little superhero TV with, with Supergirl, Truth, Justice, and the American Way, Agent Carter, The Edge of Mystery, and A Little Song of Dance. And then eventually, at the end of our weekend genre, uh, hopefully not, t- eventually is maybe a little uh, pessimistic, but we'll get to, the as well, The Flash, King Shark. But first up, uh, we have the X-Files finale, My Struggle to a lot of very strong reaction to this um i didn't i i don't have a strong reaction at all why don't you have a strong reaction i'm curious because it's like of course i mean we all knew this was chris carter who was bringing back the expo like we we should have known what we were getting i we didn't we all see my struggle part one what were we anticipating happening with part two I wasn't anticipating part two to being so much fucking worse <laughs> than part well, one. Okay, so for me, this is fine. I mean, it's not particularly, it's not good. But I also, I wasn't like offended by this. It's like, it just feels like the X-Files. It feels like these episodes of the X-Files. And there's a lot of them like this. I don't think that any of them were quite so bad. <laughs> okay, well, what is bad about it? Okay, so like. For me, it's a, it, it was a number of things. Um, one, this idea of that the 
end of at least the United States as a collapse. <laughs> a happened within six weeks of the premiere, which I just went. So wait, <laughs> this wasn't a concern. <laughs> Um, okay, fine, timeline silliness, whatever, fine. I can kind of deal with that. But then it's just like, you want me to actually believe that the United States has collapsed in a couple of hours. That Scully's blood was the cure to everything. And that she engineered a cure in a matter of a few hours. And that she managed to single-handedly stop some looting. (laughs) With an impassioned, help is coming. I have a cure. And she didn't get mugged holding a bag of an IV fluid in the middle of a riot. Of course. And (laughs) then just the fact that they want to represent the collapse of the United States through Joel McHale progressively getting sicker (laughs) on his web series... And this is to say nothing of the sheer collapse of um, Monica Reyes' character into an exposition device to explain why the cigarette-smoking man is still alive. Or just all of... It was so bad, Kate. And then I'm not even angry about the dumbass cliffhanger of the UFO coming over Scully. (laughs) Because the rest of it was just so bad and so dumb. And I think that this is one of those instances where the fact that they maybe intended this to be a 10-episode miniseries as opposed to a 6 was coming into play. But it was just so bad and rushed and so much needed to be bought on. All of this is happening off-screen, but trust us, it's really serious. And it's just like, no, I cannot trust that this is really serious. This is on too grand a scale for me to buy into this. Because, I mean... It's an, it's impressive that X-Files finally wanted to be like, no, we're going to pay off all this mythology stuff and the collapse of civilization is going to happen. But, because, I mean, they hadn't done that, ever. And it was just like, I can, I, Kate's laughing at me so much right now. Yeah. She's just dying. Because <laughs> she's just like, you're way too angry no, about No, no, it's not that. It's that, that like... <laughs> I can't be disappointed in the show because I had no hope that it wouldn't do something like this. So, like, I'm not surprised at all that they're doing this. So, you're like, you want me to believe? It's like, yes, of course they want you to believe that. And, like, I'm not surprised. Did you? Do you not remember the stupid stuff the show pulled back in its initial run? I mean, come on. I do, but it was never on such a huge scale. Yeah. It never wanted me to buy into such a huge scale. Which I think is the most offensive thing to me. Like I, guess, I can, but like, how many times did Samantha come back? Well, she was a clone, so of course she came back. No, I'm like, just saying, you know, the like idea, this... <laughs> the idea that she was dead all the time, and then Mulder found her in like a ghost ghost park. That was dumb. And she like and ridiculous. She, she like went off into like the ether to be with the alien stars or something. Something and, like, like that. That was yeah, a really like, shitty just, episode. Yeah. So I mean, like clearly, I'm in the minority because almost everybody yeah. I've seen was like angry, like viscerally angry about this. Hey, Matt Zoller cites over at Vulture said that this episode was expertly executed. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so he is very firmly. Very firmly planted, and this was actually a really good episode, guys. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> it just really feels like one of those things of the show not knowing its strength and, and not knowing why we watch it. 
yeah. we don't care about any of this stuff. We just want to see Mulder and Scully shoot the shit. Yeah. Like, that's and all we care about. That's all I really want. And I don't need Scully taking aside Firestorm and going, he needs stem cells right now. And thank God for Jillian Anderson being alive to be able to say that in a way that I wasn't completely... <laughs> Like, that was ridiculous. Well, I mean, what, I've decided I, I know what I need if there is ever another, if they, like, bring it back for another six episodes or something like that. What I need to have happen in the first, like, 30 seconds is Kirsten Dunst to just go, oh, it's just a flying saucer, honey. And just, like, <laughs> go back in and give the IV. To, like, like you're staring up at the sky when you should be IVing a molder. I mean, this yeah. is not the first UFO you've seen, but... No, 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 it is the first UFO she's seen. <laughs> she's uh, always, guess... like, passed out or groggy or something. Like, I'm I'm almost, like, 80% positive this is the first UFO Scully's ever actually seen. Technically seen. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. But, um, so, so, I mean, I don't disagree with anything that you're yeah. saying. It just none of it bothered me, because I don't expect better from this show. And I can so willingly go with cheesy... I mean, kind of just terrible uh, genre stuff, if it's fun. Um, I, and I think it also certainly helps that I'm much more on board with Lauren Ambrose uh, and than I am, than a lot of the other people that I've, I've talked to online. I thought she was perfectly fine. I actually really liked her performance. Yeah. So, yeah. like, when, when people were getting upset that Scull, uh, Scully and, and Mulder were apart for the whole episode, I'm like, I, I hear what you're saying, because that's the best part of the show is the two of them yes. interacting but um i was fine with the scully stuff we did get it's ridiculous and contrived and incredibly convenient but like it's like oh i sequenced this dna we needed a bigger sample of the same dna like that's not that's not how science goes guys but you know whatever uh and we didn't get too much of a mal so that i was okay with with that like Naming him Miller and her Einstein works if it's a one-off character. It does not yeah. work if they ever come back. But um, so I guess I I maybe I just and I also went in with zero expectations or like negative expectations, expecting it to be terrible because of I did reaction. too, and they still were worse <laughs> than okay. what I was anticipating. Well, fair enough. Uh, I've heard some people argue that this was so bad that it. Like, it, it negates any positives of the season. Uh, for me, the season is still worth it just because we got Were Monster. Uh, how do you feel about the season? Now that we've at, we're at the end of the six-episode season. Yeah. Worth it or not? Um, like, I'm in a really weird place in saying whether or not it's worth it or not. Um, mainly because I think the two bookend episodes were... The premiere and the finale were both just bad. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the other episodes were just kind of, like, middling degrees of X-Files-ish, except for large parts of Babylon, which were just also bad. <laughs> um, but I think it demonstrated the fact that the show, if it comes back, Chris Carter, A, isn't allowed to write anything. <laughs> <laughs> but B, that we need to, like, bring new people into this show. Like, mm. new blood into the show. And I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, like, I saw, like, a lot of folks, it was just like, let Darren Morgan write the next miniseries. And it was just like, like guys. No, you don't want that. <laughs> a, Darren Morgan doesn't want to do that. And, I mean, it's clear that he, the fact that he dusted off a script from 10 years ago and just reworked it mm -hmm. <laughs> demonstrates the fact that 
he still doesn't want to write TV. <laughs> and so it was just one of those things where I'm just like, if there is another miniseries, and I'm fairly convinced that there will be, because Fox was happy, I think, with ratings, and Chris Carter was just like, yeah, no, it did really, and it did do well. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's another one. Just let's let's plan it a, a little bit better. So maybe you offer Gillian Anderson what you offer David Covney right off the bat, what? as opposed to all... you it's didn't hear crazy about this. Crazy talk. Why would you do that? That's ridiculous. They <laughs> open. Okay. God, I, no. Okay. Oh. I do know. I'm. I'm being sarcastic. I know oh, okay. what you're talking about. In case some of our, some of our listeners don't, though, Noel, what did what did they offer Jillian Anderson when they tried to get her to come back initially? They offered her half of what they offered to Covney. Because you know, of those two actors, who's the one that you want to make sure that you that you lock down? Jillian Anderson of all the shows or David Duchovny of Aquarius. Right, exactly. That's the thing. It's just like, this lady is really busy. David Duchovny is not really busy. No offense, David, but you're, I mean, is your band still around, David? Are you still, like, doing your music? Yes, he is still doing his thing. Uh, But the thing is, though, she's got a vagina, which means that she has less worth in the entertainment industry. That's how it works. So, but yeah, anyway, so listeners, that is a thing that happened. Look it up and be outraged like we were. In 2016! Yeah, yeah. But if if they do come back for another season, my thing is, uh, if, if, you, if there's someone to try to get, see if you can catch Vince Gilligan on an off, you know, off month from Saul get, yeah. and get him to do an episode. And just I, this idea of trying to bring in some people who've been inspired by yeah. the X-Files very much. I think it's an interesting idea. So like a next gen of writers yeah. for them could be really neat. But I anticipate like if it comes back, we're going to get more crappy episodes. That will happen. Yeah, we'll get we'll get more episodes from the Morgans and Wong. And I, I'm okay with that because I like Morgan and Wong episodes mm-hmm. perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. But it's also just um, I, I, I want some different folks in the show, I think. And Fair I think enough. that would be really interesting to see because I the X-Files was always more inspired by, for me, more inspired by, like, Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, and Night Stalker, and it wasn't inspired, it took certain cues from Twin Peaks, but it wasn't Twin Peaks, it was more those other shows. So, getting other writers to come and play in an anthology format, I think, is the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I concur, and I look forward to, if it does come back... You know, the, the 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 reaction around it has been like I was I was laughing a lot, guys. Yeah. I was not like trying to be mocking, but you won't have heard that because I was trying to not disrupt. But I failed. So sorry about that. <laughs> it's OK. I, I'm not offended by you laughing at me. I, I, I was getting way too angry about this. <laughs> well, it's, it's you know, it's to yeah. be whenever we're we feel passionately about these things and whenever we're particularly yeah. invested that that will happen. But um, let's move on. Right, let's to... move on to something more interesting and exciting. So let's talk a little Walking Dead. Yes. And eleven twenty sixty three. Now you have not watched these? No, but I'm interested to hear about particularly about Walking Dead and their big development from this week that everyone is really excited about. Yeah. And how you felt about it. Now, Walking Dead, I must say, I had a much more positive reaction to these two episodes of The Walking Dead. Um I wasn't super you know, anticipating it or wanting it to come back immediately. But it's amazing how much a difference it makes in my uh, enjoyment 
in anticipation of The Walking Dead when I don't have a podcast I have to record about it the next day and find guests for. I mean, and I, of course, would have loved to talk about these episodes with, with Ricky and everything. And, and there's a great conversation to be had about these episodes. There's plenty to really dive in with. I, I still think The Walking Dead is a very good show uh, that is, uh, it, it's really just, they're doing a lot of stuff really, really well. It's very satisfying. It's a lot of fun. They have a really great cast at this point. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think there's plenty there's plenty there to dive in with. But the thing is, guys, podcasts are work. <laughs> so when I can just enjoy an episode and not know that that is also going to come with a couple hours of recording and maybe maybe a couple hours of editing and certainly lots of emailing and trying to find get all the stress that comes with it, I could just sort of take it on its own tar- terms. And that was actually really... A very nice change of face. Uh, the wrapping up everything in the premiere, I thought worked really well. Um, it's very convenient that um, all they needed to do was have some of the annoying people from last season get eaten, and that spurred. Uh, that Rick- seems like par for the course for them, based yeah. on their reputation. So, oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I was like, at least they got the annoying people eaten. But then, then Rick is angry, and so when he's angry, that makes him just go out and just one man army the walkers and everybody's like rick is out there he's our main character we better go help him <laughs> and that's all it takes um so it's ridiculous but it w- it was very well executed and um it was very engaging then jumping forward in time a bit and uh, oh i didn't know that interesting cool yeah i mean like it may be only a few days i mean it's oh, not okay, a lot okay. of times not months years or anything like that but well i didn't uh, think it would be years but because then they yeah. have to replace carl <laughs> well they don't have to replace carl he's way too old for the character at this point but oh okay they All might right. they'd have to replace judith she's now okay. like almost walking judith she's not quite toddler judith but yeah okay they'd have to replace her but um but jumping forward, so things are more settled and calm, and that the result of all of this Alexandria stuff is actually optimism on the part mm-hmm. of the cast is really delightful. I also like that they introduced this Negan stuff and then literally blew it up with a grenade uh, launcher, uh, which was awesome. So that's a good way to do it. This week they introduced Jesus, uh, who Paul, I think, but he goes by Jesus because he looks like the, you know, many, the the picture that's on the wall in uh, 11-22-63 of Jesus is what this character looks like. He's a lot of fun. The The performance is really good. And they, it's, the last time they introduced a character so succinctly and memorably as they do this character, they killed him in the same episode. It was Michael Raymond James. So uh, that was quite a while ago. This character should be a lot of fun i really am looking forward to what happens with him i'm not familiar with the character from the comics but uh he has an he's a badass uh he he knows how to handle himself i should say i don't know if he's a badass but he's he can fight he holds his own with daryl and with rick and impressive which is impressive yeah but he has a different vibe to his physicality because he's 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 not as like thick maybe he's like he seemed more like svelte and sinewy. he feels more like gambity you know sure i, I can dig that the coat yeah. probably helps with the that. coat helps with that definitely <laughs> but and like and, and just he's got a smirk a bit and he's got he's a bit of a smart aleck and, and a little impish and so he's a more comedic character which i think is very important on the show yeah. um so, so there's a lot to be optimistic with about with that character and he also is just inherently sort of trustworthy like he, he seems he seems chaotic good uh okay. to continually go back to our D terms but like because he he's not 
uh, he, he's you can't necessarily trust him but you he doesn't seem like he's a bad person who's gonna then like shoot you and leave you for dead or whatever so he'll steal your truck if you give him the opportunity but if you don't but but then he won't he'll he'll stay, save you save you from getting eaten in the back of like getting munched on by a walker even if the two of you are currently fighting you know like so there's yeah. there's i think that so quickly establishing that element of the character allows us to to not look at him with suspicion but instead trust that generally his motives are coming from a positive place. So, uh, yeah, it's a really fun development for the show. And I look forward to following. I wasn't sure if I was going to put on rotation, just kind of like catch up with it eventually. But I think I'm going to stick with it week to week. I had a lot of fun with these two episodes. And uh, I'm also very, I don't know if you heard about this, Rick and Michonne. That now. was what I was addressing. That's what I figured you were going to talk about. Oh, yeah, no, that's been coming for a while. And the way that they build to that, the, the comfort that the two characters have with each other, even just earlier in the same episode, uh, is really lovely. And, uh, yeah, it's it's about time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's about time. Now that they've... St- <laughs> and also, if Michonne is a love interest for Rick, it's not like, okay, how long till they kill this latest love interest so that we can, like, watch him be pained some more, you know? feels... Because like you're actual... not going to kill her. Because you're not going to kill Michonne, because Michonne's yeah. amazing. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's, yeah, I think it's a really natural development, and or it feels very organic. And, and it's something that I knew happened in the comics. Like, I've known that for years. Okay. But um, on the show, the way that they have built that partnership, given mm-hmm. a lot of time to that partnership before they even started hinting at anything romantic. I love that they don't just, like, have, like, flirty flirty back and forth but just be like are we gonna hook up now i think we're gonna hook up now and see it sort of and sort of makes sense you know yeah. and they skip like the oh does does so and so like me phase which is like they don't have time for that this is the zombie apocalypse <laughs> um that, that worked really well for me so i'm uh, super on board with that do you have any other thoughts or questions about walking dead no um well, no, I have one question. Okay. And, I mean, your discussion about these two episodes has made me vaguely intrigued. Mm-hmm. In that, could I start watching from oh, like, yeah. this point? Okay. Oh, yeah. I may try and check in because I have nothing else on on Sundays anymore apart from The Good Wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I am super on board with that anyways as people I've talked right, about that right. a lot. I know, but like... But, how, yeah, just like jump like in they, and figure it out. They keep resetting anyway and killing people that, yeah. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, because I haven't watched anything since season one. Like, that was the yeah. last thing I watched. You can definitely start up with the mid-season premiere. And okay. there's, a, and like, you'll be a lot of stuff you don't necessarily get. But the, yeah. that, like, that wraps up the last season and uh-huh. and then lets you know where they're starting from. Or if you'd rather, you can start with the second episode of the season, which, like, deals with just, just is the fresh start sort of after all of that. Okay. Um, and I, I admit that this question is motivated in part because I was thinking about watching anyway because Jeffrey Dean Morgan's going to be on soon. I know, right? Yeah. And that's a very good reason to, like, catch up or, like, start watching a show as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And I'm also just intrigued to see him play a villain, which mm-hmm. I think is going to be really interesting. So that's that was part of the reason why I asked. But your discussion about Jesus also just, like, I kind of want to see what a character like that looks like, especially with all these very grim people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's good. It's like they almost could have had Yakety Sax on in the background, <laughs> which, you know, <laughs> they almost could have. It was pretty fun. And and they needed a lighthearted episode, too. Uh, yeah. So it was their overdue one. But no, I think you absolutely could. And okay. uh, 
be aware, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, his main stuff is going to start right. next isn't gonna, season. Isn't starting. No, I knew about that because I but was yeah. like, a lot of people are just like, where's Negan? And I was just like, guys, he's still in New York filming Good Wife. He's not going to be on for a little while. Longer. Yeah, he, he needs a few more weeks over there. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, quickly, eleven twenty sixty three. I watched the first two episodes, um, so caught yeah. up on that. It's just sort of, and I don't know if you have, this is such a superficial, random thing, but for me, it's kind of strange to watch J, uh, James Franco on weekly TV again, just you because did, he's you so didn't much... watch him on daily TV when he was on General Hospital? I, I did not, and I know. He was actually really good on General Hospital. I want to say it's listener Beth, right? Beth, you're the one who, who watches, knows all the soaps. I would love your thoughts on his arc if you watched it. But um, because, just because he's, it's time, we're all older, but, yeah. you know, the last time I watched him on weekly TV was Freaking Geeks. Yeah. And so, like, it's just, it's so interesting for me just to, like, kind of, there's not that many people that I watched I've seen a lot of them as a much younger person on TV and then sure. over the years. Like, somebody like David Boreanaz started with seven years of Buffy and Angel um, yeah. between them and then – or actually maybe eight. And eight. then yeah, eight. all the years of Bones ending uh, next year. Twelve. Yeah. Like, so that that's one thing. But he was – just like has been consistently on TV or the supernatural guys have been consistently on TV 11 years for 11 years. But like to have that big gap in the middle, is just kind of, so I'm sorry, I feel like I'm sort of discovering James Franco as an older actor, which is interesting for me. Um, this is solid. And Chris Cooper's really fun and really not fun, but good. (laughs) What he's given to do. Um, the period elements of it work well. And, uh, I, I do feel myself a bit kind of, kind of wanting to get to the fireworks factory. Um, this is based around a guy who uh, travels back in time and is going, basically, is going to try to prevent the JFK assassination. And there's other things that happen too, um, because reasons. Like they, they, they very quickly get all the time travel stuff established in the first episode. And yeah. they basically have Chris Cooper say, "Because just it does, just just trust me, it's easier. Just just believe me." <laughs> um, the the look of the show is really. Uh, works really well it feels very period but it also you know it, it it feels period in a way that we've seen other projects do before but okay. i still uh i still enjoyed it uh i would like for them to touch a little bit more on he seems a little too comfortable in 63 uh he's talking about they're talking about how the food is so much tastes better and everything you know like all these different things it'd be nice just once if he was like oh it'd be convenient to use a cell phone right now they don't exist you know like it'd be, or like just like a little but i think that might be part of the point of the character so don't want to get yeah. too harsh on that um but yeah i like these first two episodes i'll probably keep watching and um and i think there's more good to come i'm very encouraged by the fact that this is a one and done yeah it's only six eight six something like that yeah it's six but, to eight yeah yeah but it's not they're not planning on bringing it back for season two so do you think you'll catch up with that at some point or yeah. at this point no, I will. It was just one of those things where was, I keep forgetting because even though I have a Hulu Plus account, I don't use it for anything <laughs> ever. Yeah. Um, like every, I have like people who mooch off my Hulu Plus account. I don't <laughs> use it. So I just forget about Hulu, though I'll start remembering once the path starts. Um, but yeah, so no, I'll probably catch up on this as soon as I can. Okay. Which may be soon because... Hey, Flash and Arrow are off for the next three weeks. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> well, speaking of, let's move on to our superhero shows. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we have much to say 
about these, but let's start no. with Supergirl, Truth, Justice, and the American Way. The main thing for me is Lexi Alexander's the director, and she did a good yeah. job, and we love her. Yeah, no, um, the fight with Master Jailer was one of the few aerial fights that mm-hmm. worked really, really well, and also... Like, we got to really get a sense of um, Kara's combat training that she's been getting, which was nice to see, because it always felt like anytime she fought, like, Non or anyone else, it was just kind of like, I'm just going to hit you really hard with a haymaker. And uh, this, like, felt like she was, like, thinking strategically and having to, like, work through, like, how to fight this guy, which I thought was really good, and was something that Lexi Alexander does very well. Um, but then just other things like, I don't even know if this was in the script, but Kara and James having a conversation about values and the ethics of having black, black site operations and keeping a private U.S. citizen, even though he's a horrible douchebag, um, in a cell and having it happen in like an armory filled with guns it's just a really interesting thing because he never actually says and the American way in that thing. It's just lingering and heavily implied. And there's just like a number of really interesting ethical layers and moral layers about, well, what does that mean exactly for us to feel that way? And so I was just, I really enjoyed, like this was as deep as Supergirl has gotten, like thinking through like a lot of what it is and what the DEO is. And I thought that was really interesting. I don't need them to necessarily to do that every week. I was just glad they acknowledged it because the Flash just is like, yeah, we've got a private prison. It's cool, everyone. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Pay no attention. Uh, Pay no yeah. attention. Yeah. I like that they finally do address that Jimmy Olsen shouldn't be down with this. Yeah. So it was overdue and they, they handled it well, I thought. Um, Agent Carter, the main thing for me, I still, by the way, I'm just loving whitney frost as isn't she the best she's wonderful i like i'm more and more interested in her as as the season continues and like right now there's no other so far this year it's only it's only february but still she's obviously best villain of the year so far yeah and really i mean we only have one episode left (laughs) yes that is true um however what we did get here which i thought was so delightful was the song and dance number of like the the you know unconscious dream state um uh peggy it's such a great way to bring back Lindsay fonseca uh and just to incorporate all of that i mean you know i've not been invested in the peggy wilkes thing at all but you also have been on board with Peggy Sousa since the season premiere and even last yeah. season. So yeah. really am enjoying the way they're handling that. And the song was pretty good. It felt, the song, it felt appropriate. The song was good. And yeah. also, gosh, I didn't know Inver could sing. Yeah. So it was just like, oh, fuck, he's a quint- quintuple threat. Because <laughs> he's so pretty, it counts twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Um, but yeah, so, cause I, I, I had heard there was a press release for, you know, quite a while back, forever yeah. ago, like a month ago, uh, about how the, one of the composers of the show who also co-composed Galavance, mm-hmm. you know, it was writing an original song for yeah. member of the cast, members of the cast to sing. Uh, so I knew to look forward to that, but I thought it really paid off here yeah. very nicely. So, uh, are you, are you officially on the the ship train are you still shipping peggy and her gun oh i'm always shipping peggy and her gun but no (laughs) i mean 
I, I as an alternative. <laughs> yeah. If it needs to be Sousa, it's 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 okay with me. But okay. always Peggy and her gun. But no, yeah. um, this episode was these pairs of episodes were good. I mean, we also got more of um, uh, Ken Marino mm-hmm. being great and just no, hamming I, it up and being hamming delightful. it up. He's just he's leaning in so hard on this <laughs> that I love it. And yeah, no, it it was a really good pair of episodes. I thought, and I'm very excited about the finale uh, next week. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say is they know their show very well over yes. at Agent Carter because they know what we care about more than anything Yeah, is Peggy and Jarvis. And so that oh, fight in the uh, desert oh. was amazing and yeah. really it works so well. And like because the, those two have all, all been so fantastic together throughout we're super invested when they have a, a legitimate and no holds barred yeah. fight um with both of them being in the right and both of them being yeah. in the wrong um, right and just like that thing with anna and just like yeah. oh yeah no it was really yeah. really great yeah well also really really great as far as i'm concerned was the flash this week super fun uh at times and and less fun appropriately at other times they made giant gorilla super intelligent gorilla work they also made a giant man shark work as far as i'm concerned even if it doesn't make any sense why he had just beaten up barry a bunch and then was like i'm gonna run away really slowly because i'm faster in water and that's yeah. relevant now. Well, for no he reason. Heard, I think he heard or sensed like the incoming Argus SUVs. Okay, and that's why he bolted. Okay, they didn't convey that very well. But yeah. what I really liked about this episode is that in the same episode as a ridiculous man shark, uh, you and the fantastic comedic stylings of Diggle, which like I always love him on the Diggle show. freaking out about metahumans will never. St- never not be funny it will never grow old um we also get this real substantive fantastic stuff from barry i loved all the earth 2 fallout and i'm so glad we had it they could have just skipped over it but i'm so glad we spent the time there yeah no it was it was by far and away like my favorite part of the episode king shark was like perfectly kind of whatever for me i mean Mm -hmm. just from a special effects level beautiful and gorgeous and like they're just like we, we're probably not going to do this again because it was really expensive to do it for those eight seconds yeah at the beginning of the season and they're, they're just like oh no we get a budget okay we're gonna do this and so <laughs> i mean kudos to wanting to do that and like pay that off and i mean that was great um but it was just kind of a boring ish type of metahuman plot for me this week um but no like the berry fallout and everything was just really great. I liked how it influenced how he responded to Wally and I was really glad that they finally got to interact um and deal with the fact that I mean Barry realistically Barry and Wally would really get along really well I think. But because of the Earth 2 stuff and everything that happened um and this idea of seeing another life and having Joseph die and just all this sort of emotional suckitude coming in. And it was just like, this was really good, I thought. And I was, like like you, I was just really glad that they did it and explored what this meant for him. And man, anytime Grant Gustin wants to start, like, crying to just start elevating a plot line, you're just <laughs> like, I am in. Um, I was less in in uh, Caitlin. Oh, really? Well, mainly because it... Ex- 
it brought way more into relief the fact that we never really got to see her deal with Ronnie. Mm-hmm. And so they just decided to, like, combine that with yeah. Jay. And I just went, uh, guys, I understand why, because they don't want it to be, like, repetitive. It's just like, but at the same time, oh, you've killed two of her boyfriends. Guys. <laughs> yeah. There's a little bit of a problem happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, and this idea of her, like, Cisco being concerned that she's going to turn into Killer Frost and just, like, all this type of stuff. Just like, eh. I mean, I get it, and I, I, I'm glad that they're doing something with it, but I was just also just like, I could have had you guys do this way earlier. Because she's just like, she comes to Star, and she's just like, everything's fine. And it's just like, guys, no, everything should not be fine. She spent the entire last season trying to get her fiancé back. <laughs> yeah. And now she's kind of okay with it again, because she met Jay. Slash Zoom, apparently? Do we need to discuss the logistics of this just a little bit? <laughs> well, Jay is Zoom, and there there are interviews with people that you can find out there the involved with the show that tell you more specifics, but I realize not everybody will necessarily want to know that, so yeah, you know, discuss that fair. part of it. Okay, that's but, fair. Um, but yeah, Jay... I still firmly believe the guy in the mask thing is Jay. Yeah, is the from same act. Is, is Teddy Sears? Let's yeah. just say that. Yeah. Uh, so that means there's three of them because they're in the same scene together. So yeah. the, I, the the easiest explanation is that there are twins on both, yeah. which would be easy. A very that's a simple solution. Right. Um, I feel like that's something that Caitlin should have caught. Or figured out, but yeah, whatever. Well, my thing is, it's just like guys, Earth One, go check to see if Hunter Zolomon is still around. Yeah, because otherwise he was in cahoots with Zoom this entire time. Yeah, yeah. So, so that I like the. I, th- I mean, a lot. A lot of people apparently were underwhelmed by that um, yeah. reveal at the end. But for me, I think that's a really good cliffhanger because. It really could be a lot of different things. And so that's the kind of thing that you can have fun speculating on for a month. Yeah. When you're, and they'll probably have a solution that, that someone will have already said online um, and that will be very straightforward. But we get to have fun with it for a month and be like, is there Earth 3? Are there twins? Are they clones? Is it from the future? I mean, come on. What's, that's part of the fun. That is part of the fun. I agree. I, I wasn't underwhelmed by it. I was just... Wanting to know how the logistics of all of it worked. Mm-hmm. So it was more like a huh? And less of a yeah. <gasps> yes, it was because I figured it was I. it was either Jay or it was going to be like Earth 2 Henry. Mm-hmm. And then they eliminated that option when it was just like, Mom and Dad, we're going to Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. And it wasn't going to be Earth 2 Joe because Earth 2 Joe was dead. So it was just like, oh, it's Jay. Fair enough. So, Yeah. Well, what wins your week in in genre? It's the X Files, isn't it? Oh, it's totally the X Files. There is no competition. Uh no, I'll give this to Agent Carter this week, if only for the musical number and for uh, Whitney Frost just being badass. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough. I'm gonna give it to uh, Walking Dead: The Next World, and uh, honorable mention to the musical number in Agent Carter, or just really that whole, I, did, I had a lot of fun with Agent Carter this week, but yeah, uh, yeah solid week in genre. Now we'll take a break and come back with our week in drama. Mm-hmm. 
This week in drama, I'm going to talk a little bit about Prey on BBC America, and then we'll dive in with American Crime Story, The People vs. O.J. Simpson, 100% Not Guilty, uh, The Good Wife, Targets, Better Call Saul, Cobbler, Limitless Sands, Agent of Mora, and then American Crime Season 2, Episode 8. Uh, so Prey debuted this week on BBC America. It, it is a, a three-episode per season series from ITV over in the UK that aired in 2014 and 2015 over there. There are two seasons. So they're basically, they're going to be six episodes on BBC America. The first episode, first season is three. And then the second season is three. And it's a standalone, uh, manhunt show. Basically they made a wrong man kind of cop framed for murder three episode story and then it was really successful so they made another one <laughs> the next year and they took a minor character from the first part the first the cop who's hunting down the main character and made her the the, the focus of the second season um and, and for a different manhunt and uh i my review of this is up at the av club i've really engaged with it i thought john sam as the lead cop who is embroiled it's like trying to figure out who's framed him uh, for murder he's really really good um and rose rosie cavaliero sort of plays this like almost sipowitz kind of detective which is which is uh, great awesome <laughs> it's yeah. so cool um and she's like she in the first season she's stalking her ex-husband and uh she keeps like she like is living on uh food out of the vending machine and then had like arguing with herself about like, you can just see, like, a conversation happening inside her head about if she's going to eat the unhealthy food or if she's going to take the effort to go get healthier stuff and everything, mm-hmm. which I think is – I'm not the only person who's had that conversation with oneself many a time. Um, but they this is all very familiar territory. I'm sure you can think of, just off the top of your head, Noel, a handful of other shows and movies that have done this, like, good cop frame for murder. Well, what could have happened? Is there a conspiracy? What's going on? Uh, but they... There's probably a conspiracy. There's probably a conspiracy. Spoiler alert. There's probably... There's always, you know... Otherwise, yeah. a cop doesn't end up framed. Um, yeah. But um, the... In fiction. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the, um, the... The performances and the... the Again, I cannot stress this highly enough. It's only three episodes. It's three 45-minute episodes if you take out the commercials. So, like three hours but two and a half of content uh keeps everything really tight and um absolutely tune in just for the performances the second arc is about a prison officer whose daughter who's not like eight months pregnant uh gets taken gets kidnapped and abducted and so he's got he's told he needs to break out an inmate um and meet and take her to this space and then he'll they'll give him his daughter back um, so then it's like, what does he do? And, you know, and, and things go from there, which leads to a manhunt and the same detective gets brought in. Um, so, again, very familiar ideas, but I think the show works really well. And I really was very pleasantly surprised because it was not on my radar at all. Um, mm-hmm. And I watched it all in about uh, the screeners and everything in about a day. Uh, so I, I really had fun with it. But I know I'm more positive on this than other reviews I've seen out there, which are more middling. Um, mm-hmm. I really, especially like the first season a lot. Um, so I don't know. I, I feel like this is one that you might watch it sort of like London Spy and be like, yeah, it's good. And, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did really, really uh, enjoy it. So that's, that's prey. Um, but, but let's move on to American Crime Story, the people versus OJ Simpson, a hundred percent not guilty. Uh, what did you think of this episode? 
Uh, again, a really great episode. Um, I'm really glad that we're, like, getting into the trial stuff, because I felt like uh, Clark had kind of been sidelined a little bit. Understandably, but uh, she's just been a really great presence on the show, and so I was glad to, like, start seeing legal strategy come into play and how we're going to do this. But I also think that this was, like, Travolta's best episode Mm -hmm. as Shapiro, just because he's being slowly edged out, because, I mean... Shapiro is, this is, Shapiro is ready to settle. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what Shapiro does. But I mean, just all this sort of stuff about him and Cochran butting heads and uh, Travolta just like gets into it and he's getting like twitchy. Mm-hmm. Like there's a nose twitch in an elevator that I'm just like, is perfectly timed. When they're talking about him doing a press conference and being like, oh, maybe you shouldn't do that. And it's, like, dead tense in the elevator, and then his nose just kind of twitches. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, this is really good. Yeah. And it's it's hammy, but it's good. And so I'm very excited. Um, I like the fact that um, the prosecution bringing on a black guy ch- suddenly changes everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, no, it's really good. I'm, I'm excited to see more from Sterling K. Brown, um, yeah. who's a fantastic actor in, like, everything he's in. And he's been really good in uh, previous episodes, but I'm excited to like see him do stuff in court. And I'm excited mm-hmm. to see how the show portrays the court. Yeah. And that sort of aspect of it. I loved the insanity of jury selection. And can we talk about Connie Britton? <laughs> She's so good, right? She's oh my so God. good! Love her. Uh, no, fantastic way to deal with the book and all that sort of stuff really quickly. Uh, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed this episode. Uh, again, like, I, I don't think I've been, like, really disappointed by an episode of this show yet. How did you feel about this? Well, I mean, because I knew elements, like I've said, I've knew elements of the case, but didn't yeah. know a lot of the specifics. So I did not know about Faye Resnick yeah, at all. Yeah, so, yeah. I, so she shows up in the season premiere, the series premiere, and I was like, huh, that seems weird to, I mean, like, it was super fun, that little yeah. aside she has uh, with some Blair, but it's like, it seems weird to bring Connie Britton in for I guess she, I guess she'll be back at some point, and then to bring her back in this episode and just have so, like, oh, she must be having so much fun in that role. You need to play such a it's slightly different from Mrs. Coach, right? From Tammy, right. Uh, yeah, so much fun there. And also, can we just talk about how deliciously awkward that? So, who thinks he's guilty? <laughs> Thinking was <laughs> uh, the the defense team. I mean, oh, <sighs> fabulous. No. And, and like you it's say, really Sterling K. Brown is, uh, Sterling Brown is fabulous, uh, yeah, and he's just going to get more to do as this, this yeah. season continues. Spoiler alert, he's going to get more in the next few episodes. Uh, yeah, there, this is a really... I'm, I'm just looking forward to you getting to... I, I'm too ahead of everyone right now because of the screeners they sent out. Uh, well, and, I have access to those, but I've been watching them like week to week. Which is the right thing to do. Because uh, right. I didn't want them to like get confused when we talked about it. Which is part of why I've was... been saying less. <laughs> 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 but yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's. I'm having a lot of fun still with, with this season. And um, yeah, the big one for me is I look forward to talking about six because episode six is where Marsha Clark comes more into the fore. So it's more kind of focused on her that episode. But uh, episode five is also very good. So we'll have plenty yeah. to say next week as well. Great. No, I'm excited because I like the whole idea of, like, Marsha finding out that people don't like her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, but that shouldn't matter in, like, the gender politics of all this and jury selection politics. And it, it was just a really great episode, I thought. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, let's move on to uh, The Good Wife targets. Yes. And uh, this one did one of those things that The Good Wife, we li- at least I like when The Good Wife does, and that's uh, show us a different kind of trial, a different kind of proceeding. And we get yes. that with, with uh, Alicia being inside the Pentagon or whatever that was. Not the Pentagon, but uh, like the briefing. Yeah, a defense type of um, some sort, basically determine whether or not the U.S. government has the right to kill someone. And then it turned out the terrorist was an American citizen and just, like, weird kind of corruption, which brought the NSA guys back, mm-hmm. and I promptly went... Oh, I like oh, the NSA guys. I like the NSA guys, too, but I also feel like the jokes kind of run its course at this point. Mm-hmm. And so this idea that there was a leak from within the NSA that got very nice hicks like, mm-hmm. dismissed from this panel, because I've always really liked Hicks when he's shown up when they yeah. brought him to military court. He's a great character, really great actor who plays it, whose name I can't remember, but he's one of those, hey, it's that guy, character actors. Um, so, yeah, I really like the legal proceeding. I always, like you said, I always like when the show does different type of proceedings um, for the show, like, whether it be, like, religious court, <laughs> which is one of my favorites that they've done. Um, but so that was, that was a nice change of pace. Um, less of a nice change of pace was, oh, David Lee and Carrie are worried about Diane turning the Ugh. firm into, exactly, turning it into an all-women's firm, so we're going to send Jason to investigate Diane, Diane's going to, like, get information from Jason, and all like, this fucking nonsense, we've been here a gazillion times. Okay, are they seriously concerned in this episode that Diane is going to fire all of the men at the firm. Is that what they're saying? Like, how else would they be an all-woman-run firm? We mean, right. the only female part... Like, how are they going to divest them of their... Par- they're in the name of the... It's absurd and ridiculous. And, like, I expect that from David Lee. But from Carrie... But Carrie going along with it? Come on. Terrible right. writing. Terrible writing, terrible plotting, because it's just like, oh, we just got the firm back together again. Let's see if we can break it up. And it's just like, oh, fuck off already. Yeah. And I like the fact that Jason and Luca are just like, this place is weird, right? And it's just like totally weird. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, no no sane human being should behave like this. <laughs> but this was also, our, I think, the last chance that we're going to see Elsbeth as they set up the FBI. And we met her ex-husband, who I didn't remember that she had an ex-husband and it was kind of like okay i guess but i'm i'm just sad that this will probably be our last elspeth episode ever because gosh who doesn't love elspeth tassioni i would be surprised if she didn't come back at some point considering we're gonna need to i think we're gonna need to see what this case is about and and so i therefore i would be surprised if she didn't come back in some capacity when it actually comes in like to trial or, or whatever yeah. yeah when it all comes into the fore but we, we very much you know, there's only a handful of episodes left that who knows that may not happen uh and if this is the last time we see her always love elizabeth i didn't really need to meet her quirky ex-husband that part of it really didn't work for me, me um, neither. but uh yeah i didn't need the dog and every i mean like his cute dog and everything but that part of it really was qu- rather dud rather much yeah. of a dead but uh you know marissa bringing her back is always wonderful and enjoying yes. what eli's getting so uh just the, the hand gestures of like patting a head from elsbeth to reference marissa uh yeah. your daughter uh was was pretty uh entertaining so uh yeah there's stuff to like here and definitely stronger than some of the other episodes but 
I really had to key into the parts that were working yeah. um, to keep going, to keep going with this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's move on quickly to Better Call Saul. Cobbler, all I wanted to say about this one is I was very glad Michael McKean was back. And Me too. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, I, was, I was glad that we didn't have him in the premiere. It was a nice, surprising change of pace, but it was good to have him back here. And I also didn't, didn't anticipate them to go so all in with, with Jimmy – uh, like with the, with their couple them, you know, in this episode, yeah. that uh, was that was surprising to me too. Yeah, but uh, I feel like this is probably the happiest we're gonna see them, though. Which is a little, <laughs> and yeah, they we'll weren't say. even like super happy because she was just like, "You just did a disbarable offense." Yeah, <laughs> don't is... tell me about these things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, any thoughts on this episode for for you? Um, again, just really solid. I did appreciate the fact that, I mean, we didn't waste any time getting a guitar into Ed Begley Jr.'s hand. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's something that happens a lot. Um, <laughs> next, he'll be in an electric car. Uh, <laughs> I'm taking pot shots at Ed Begley Jr. I shouldn't be doing that. Uh, he's a lovely man. Um, so, this kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, no, it was fine. Again, I'm not, like, super engaged in this show. I... The conflict between between Chuck and Jimmy, I think, is just really... Is, like, the thing that I keyed in most last season. So that kind of resurfacing here a little bit is uh, really good. For me, anyway, because it keeps me invested. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like, I like seeing Jimmy on an upswing. He's just, like, really excited about this company car... That kind of sucks because it can't get his... His second best lawyer cup. <laughs> second best lawyer cup doesn't fit. And I mean, again, because because it's the cast and crew, uh, the not the cast, but the crew of Breaking Bad, it's very much a metaphor for how Jimmy doesn't fit in this corporate law setting. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, again, doing a really nice job of object metaphor type of stuff to talk about Jimmy. And again, this is something that I should really, that I appreciate and respond to, but it's just, I'm not invested in the show to be like, oh, this is amazing. It's just like, yes, this is exactly what you should be doing to represent this idea. Yeah. And yeah. the idiot with his baseball cards. Oh, God. <laughs> ended nicely. <laughs> yeah. I like Nacho going to the, gar- not Nacho, but Mike going to the garage to talk to Nacho about it and just like, uh-huh. This is good. I like this. And I love Nacho. Yeah. I think he's just a fantastic character, played by a really great actor. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I, I enjoy that as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's move on to our next show, and that's Limitless, Sans Agent of Mora, which was just, okay, we already like Limitless. So yes, yes, we start from a starting point of I'm really on board with Limitless. And then they do an episode geeking out with classic film. Thank you. And comic books. And comic books, yeah. Oh, so so delightful and fun uh yeah as soon as they had like those wilder demille i was like ooh, classic film yeah yeah <laughs> plus i mean i wasn't even bothered by the tarantino stuff yeah that they were keying in on because i felt like that was that i feel like they kind of aban- ended up abandoning that episode that idea a mm-hmm. little bit but i also didn't care because i was just like i didn't really need it for that episode to work but no the episode was just really great in yeah. general. And I was really glad that how we got the Sands background was really interesting. And I like how they really went into having different art styles for each of the different comic issues, basically. It was just a really well put together episode. And I liked the end with uh, Sands, the connection between Sands and everything coming yeah. into the forefront. 
And so that was really great. And yeah, no, it was just a really, again, a very solid, very interesting episode of Limitless. And now Brian has a little bit of leverage. Yeah. Which is which is a nice thing for him to have. But also, I cooking up with his sister? Can we, yeah, okay. Can we, uh, Jason, right? Jason. You will call him Ike. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so good. Uh, really his helpful. reaction is so amazing. Just burn everything. <laughs> yeah, just burn it all. Oh, yeah. No, that's delightful. Yeah. I, I'm hoping that comes back. Yes, you? Yes, I'm so hoping it comes back. I mean, I've been enjoying the fact that Brian's family has, like, steadily kind of faded away uh-huh. a little bit because they felt like the most vestigial part of the show. Yeah. Um, and mostly just introduced to provide a threat to Brian. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love this idea, and I, I love the fact that hopefully in the next episode, Brian's going to be really mopey about this and really annoyed at Ike and won't talk to him or, like, something. Yeah. It's just like, that was my favorite t-shirt! <laughs> and you've sullied all of it! Yeah. Yeah. Well, it just because, like, why, you would never have a problem with Ike. Ike yeah. is the kind of person you want your sister to be hooking up with if you're just going right. to be hooking up with someone, right? Yeah. But, yeah. No, it was a lot and of fun. And I just, I just loved his... I've taken a bullet for him. Is that how he told you that story? <laughs> yeah, that is a thing you could say. Yeah, no, that was very good. Well, we're going to now move to our last episode in the week of TV. Slightly different tonally, and that's American Crime, season two, episode eight. And I got I tweeted this out earlier this week, but um, between this, episode, this week's episode of Blackish and this week's episode of American Crime, ABC was not fucking around this week no uh, they were not because when this episode opens with interviews of teachers from columbine i was just like what is happening right now i don't know what's happening but this is amazing Mm-hmm. what did you think of the episode um i didn't think it was amazing mm-hmm. um mainly because Again, I really liked the episode, and I still really like the show. Part of what this does, though, is... Miles McNutt wrote about this a little bit on his personal site, um, and I agree with it to a certain degree, in that this kind of, again, reframes what the crime is. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't feel like a bait-and-switch, because this season has been interested in a number of different sorts of American crimes. But by bringing in the interviews, it frames things, I think, in a very specific way that where we're supposed to be, like, really hitting home is this idea of a school shooting and this idea of a new normal and that sort of thing. And I think that's what those interviews and the idea of bullying as well, I think, which I think is a much more prevalent and larger part of the season than necessarily the shooting has been mm-hmm. um in no small part because i'm not in entire... it's a shooting that took place at a school but i don't necessarily see it as a school shooting if that difference makes sense yeah i know what you mean and so but all that being said the fact that they incorporated these interviews within an episode of television. And for me, this is like, this is what broadcast television does. 
and should do in a lot of ways is like we're going to talk about these issues and like Blackish is another really good example to like basically draw everything like into a circle for the podcast is that these types of big issue type things are what broadcast television should do to me Mm -hmm. it doesn't always have to do it it shouldn't always have to do it but because this is a medium that theoretically could reach millions of people more so than cable or premium cable broadcast television should have a responsibility to do this kind of stuff so when you're having interviews of people who've been bullied or experienced sexual assault or uh, are teachers that have gone through this kind of an experience, I think is really important and significant and shouldn't be just dismissed or downplayed as a weird narrative frame, which is what I was kind of doing, but acknowledging the fact that this is really significant for a show to do mm-hmm. this day and age. Because, I mean, uh, again, going back to Blackish, like, our broadcast television isn't hugely socially conscious. And I think it's really significant that both Blackish and American Crime are heavily socially conscious. And I think that's really meaningful. And I think that kind of a frame and that kind of interview process is a big deal and meaningful and impactful. And so while I didn't think it worked dramatically, I love that it's there anyway. Okay. It- yeah. So it worked way better for me than it did for you. Right, and I think that's okay. And yeah. I, yeah, it should. Because, I mean, those stories are really affecting. I just, I immediately wanted more from Taylor mm-hmm. than what we got because of how that previous episode ended. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we gave real estate for that to these interviews. Yeah. Yeah, so. Fair yeah. enough. It's, it's like one half, two hands, and that whole mixed up metaphor, I'm, I'm glad it's there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm I'm protesting too much for something I'm actually really glad was there. Well, yeah, but yeah, it didn't connect with you the way that it did yeah. with me because it, it correct, connected with me very viscer- viscerally. Yeah. And uh, the I was very surprised when we op- opened up the episode. And we find out that Wes is dead. I didn't anticipate that yeah. at all. I just figured he was shot, but it was like shot once and. I mean, it's TV, so they'll rush him off to the hospital and he'll be in a coma or something, but then he'll wake up and he'll be fine. Like, that's what I was anticipating. Right. And um, instead, they went a very different way with with that and with the episode. And it did, in the episode, feel like a, a shooting at a school and mm-hmm. not a school shooting, but I think that's because the main character, the character who did the shooting is somebody that we like and we are with. Yes. But what else do you call someone who has a list of names of people he wants to shoot and he goes into a school to try to shoot them all because that's where they will be. That's that that is a school shooting. Um, And if he had only if he had like had the gun and then it had and had shot the guy when he was threatening him, that would be one thing. But because he went there with a list of names uh, and it forced for me, it forced me to contextualize the, the, the episode and Taylor's actions in that way in a way that I wouldn't have wanted to because I like him as a character. Um, And obviously this is all fictional. They wrote this. They didn't have to have that happen. It's not like, but, but I do think that 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 is really uh, very powerful and very telling and um, having, having this 
array of interviewees, having it not all be uh, people who were at Columbine, but but these different, just each of these different people, I thought was really powerful. Um, and then connecting that in with some of the people we had been watching over the course of, of the, the season. Um, I... I don't know where this these next few episodes are taking us. I have no, no idea. I, I don't either. But um, I, and maybe I was had a little easier time or connected with it more. They had less of a disconnect because it seemed like they were moving away from the central crime of Eric's rape of Taylor mm-hmm. into more of the fallout. So maybe because as soon as they had Eric just straight up tell us that he did straight up it's like there's no miscommunication it's not like somebody else drugged taylor and he didn't it's not they're not going veronica mars on us <laughs> um that i didn't anticipate that it was going to come to any kind of a because I, because they told us i didn't anticipate there was something else coming with that storyline i guess that's fair and i think that's i think that's a that's a better response than mine. Well, they, they, that probably was influencing how I was watching it as well. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think it was also really important to see some of the stuff we see here, like the Felicity Huffman character at home, just like a shell of herself. Um, I didn't, I, I just have to come to terms with the fact that I'm just not going to like Dan. <laughs> you know, I keep wanting him to do like to. I keep wanting to like him. I think because because who doesn't like Timothy Hutton? Um, but there's just the way that in this episode that he just keeps making it all about himself. Uh, yeah. But I love the sheer hypocrisy of his actions. Oh yeah, no, it's so it. it's so well done and it yeah. makes sense. But I guess I just I was hoping I was watching a different show. <laughs> you know how that goes. You know. You're yes, like, I do know how that goes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, any other? thoughts on on this episode uh the only other thing i think is worth mentioning is um again this is a show that does really good things with its maison scene its set design and everything else i mean we've talked about how um huffman's character is constantly cleaning Mm -hmm. herself and this sort of stuff and then we see her home and it's stark white it's immaculate Mm-hmm. And she's just this mess inside of it. And I, again, I mean, this is like, this is consideration. This is thinking through what you're visually representing to us and not just telling us through dialogue and writing. And I mean, this is something we should always be aware of when we're watching television. But this is where one of these instances where American crimes, larger heavy handedness, which mm-hmm. I've, is, I think a, people consider it a knock, but I think as I've discussed, is not a knock within the confines of what American crime does, is that this is a really good example of how to do that well without being really, like, in your face about it. I mean, you should pick up on it because, I mean, it's juxtaposition between how she looks and how her house looks, but it's just really well done. And I just, I really, it's still just a really great show. Yeah. Yeah, so for for me, like, just... And it's another one of those I didn't know what I was tuning in for. I had no yeah. idea that this was coming. And I've ne- I, that's another one. I've never seen a show do something like this. Yeah. And, like, between Blackish on the comedy side of the spectrum and then, like, that, that teacher saying she looks at her son now and how does she know that her son won't shoot her? 
Like that's some there's some heavy ass TV this week, man. Some heavy TV. Well, what wins your week in drama? Um, I'm gonna split it between American Crime and Limitless because I need the yin and the yang <laughs> to survive. Fair uh, enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, both of those were just really, really great this week. Yeah, I'm gonna give it to American Crime, but I, I'm happy that that you've given a put a Limitless in the mix there because yeah, we need a little change of pace, a little breather. Uh, yeah. This week, uh, well, a few show notes here at the end. You can find a post for this up at for this episode up at theteleverse.org, the website for the podcast. You can email us theteleverse at gmail You can find us in on Facebook, like the page, and you can also find us in iTunes, where we have an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. We love to hear from you guys. Please reach out, leave a yes. comment at the website, send us send us a tweet, send us an email. Uh, you know, start up a conversation on Facebook. We always love hearing all of your thoughts on the week's TV and, and everything else going on in uh, the TV sphere. Um, we're both up on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are at Noel RK. And uh, you can also find my writing up at, at the AV club. But like I said, this week I've got a review of season one of prey. Noel, what do you, you still have Arrowverse going? Yeah. Yeah. I'm still like very firmly Arrowverse, but like I said, I've got a three-week break from Flash and Arrow, which means I can watch Tuesday and Wednesday TV now. It's very exciting, everyone. And of course, <laughs> that's, I'm so excited. That's over at TV.com. That and, is over at TV.com, yeah. And now uh, we'll take a break, and I'm going to come back with Jimmy Pardo, comedian, standard comedian and podcaster Jimmy Pardo, to talk about Kojak. So I'll be right back after this. What you're saying, there's an easier way to kind of go, huh? Easier and more profitable. Would you care to step into my office? Oh, and do what? I mean, sign up for one of your lifetime, no interest, easy payment loans? Hey, I never figured you'd come cheap. If I was for sale slimeball, I'd be sitting up there in Riverdale waiting for the next invasion of the 17-year locusts. You're going down, Tony. You're going down for Jackson Smith. You're going down for Tori Colucci. You're going down for that little nebbish from Staten Island. And you're going down for that rookie cop walk down a dark alley on that sultry summer's night and for all of them and for those i've overlooked the bill has come due when i walk into your office and i will i'll have a warrant my hand for your arrest now if you don't know that tune keep your eye on the bouncing ball back with the televerse this is kate kalzik and i'm joined this week at the dvd shelf by a very well, well known and successful and one of the starters really in the in the podcast world as well as you know comedian stand-up comedian all-around funny gentleman and of course you're you've been at conan now for six years it's mr jimmy pardo of never net funny and so many other things welcome to the podcast hi kate thank you for having me this week we're going to be talking about a show that I had I was familiar with. I had seen, you know, I was you know, the visual 
Telly Savalas and the lollipop and all of that. Uh, but I had never actually seen any Kojak. What made you want to talk about Kojak? I, you know, I, I, I don't know what the heck happened, but maybe, uh, and I forget when it happened, but I was, um, like bored on the couch uh, watching whatever I was watching, flipping around. And I think it was on me TV. Is that possible? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was an episode of Kojak and I went, well, you know what? That'll be fun. I'll watch, uh, I'll watch Kojak. And I couldn't believe how amazingly great it was. You know, when it was on the air in the 70s, I was a child. Uh, you probably weren't even born yet. Um, and so I didn't I, – I mean, I remember, like just like you, I remembered Kojak from the, the bald head and the lollipop and all the nonsense and who loves you, baby, which I think he says one time in five years. But um, it's one of those catchphrases that everybody, you know, just assumes it says every episode like Bookum Dano. And um, – so I watched it. And I thought it was phenomenal. So then I was like, "Well, now I got to watch more of this." So then every night I started watching it on MeTV, and then it went from watching it on MeTV to uh, buying the uh, the DVD box sets of the first three seasons, and blah 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 blah. And then I became crazily obsessed with Kojak. Well, it was really interesting to to go back and watch the show because I've been watching. It's been a week of procedurals for me. I've been watching lots of procedurals for various reasons. And and watching some from different time periods is really interesting to me because there's certain trends that develop. There's certain um, certain staples of the genre through time. But some stuff I didn't necessarily anticipate about Kojak that I thought was really fun is first of all, it's like every bad guy wears a suit. At least in the episodes <laughs> I was watching, they all. Were, what I, I love that you said it. All the bad guys wear suits, and they're all fifty-five years old. Maybe <laughs> it's almost like gentlemen bank robbers. Right, like, 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 and, and uh, so yes, I, that is the one silly thing, and and I don't know if it's silly. Maybe that, maybe in the seventies, bad guys wore suits. I have no idea. <laughs> well, it speaks to a point of view about the kind of crime and the kind of criminals that the show is interested in. Well, that's a great point because, for the most part, you're right. It's uh, very rarely on Kojak, and and when it is uh, somebody from uh, you know, you know, the, uh, the the quote unquote poor part of town, but for the most part, you're right. It is like these. These uh, these businessmen or high end call girls or uh, you know it's uh, right in the in the heart of Manhattan. So yeah, you know what? I th- yeah, I think you're right. Well, and what else thought was interesting is the that yes, we we have they they like the the formal wear for their bad guys, but but also this is not a show that then shies away from darker stories because they they will show like I, I was just watching an episode where I can't remember the title of it unfortunately, but. There, there's this crew that is kidnapping people and then asphyxiating them in, in their in their houses, and it's terrifying. And they're in their suits and ski masks, and they're just they, they show these people being murdered, and just like the the fear in their eyes. The show doesn't shy away from that, so I think it's really interesting that on one hand, uh, it's not interested in in theoretically the more grisly side of things, but on the other, it absolutely doesn't shy away from it. Uh, I agree with that. Uh, in fact, that was one of the things that um, uh, when I first started getting addicted to it, uh, my wife was in the office and um, my wife, Danielle Koenig, who's a wonderful comedy writer, and um, she was working on something and I was watching Kojak. And I don't remember what episode it was either. Uh, you'd think I would know anything considering how obsessed I am, but I can't, I can't tell you anything except for the name of the, the show. Um, but they started throwing the N-word around. And... Danielle was in the other room. She's like, "Did they just?" I go, "Yes, three or four times." And, and so, and so, to speak to the darkness that you uh, uh, 
there's not only the darkness, but there's the, a language they don't shy away from. And in that very, in one of the same scenes where they were using the N word, this guy's getting beat up in a way that like was only being like uh, Donnie Brasco, like that kind of violent. It was, it's uh, insane that was on television. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's part of a a cop, you know, the the approach of of Kojak the show, but also the character. It's much more in the the tough talking cop who bends the rules and gets things done. It's like a precursor to something like The Shield or Vic Mackey, that, that kind of a cop. Only while also having the Jack Webb of he's always right, and in the end he's always for the good of uh, the department, but also of society. So it's it's interesting how he seems to know, Kojak seems to know every bad guy in town. They're all like on a first name basis. But in the end of the day, if you slip up, he's going to get you. You know what? You're right. I love the when, uh, like, he'll walk in, the bad guy's sitting around with his crew, as you say, all in suits. They're at the Italian restaurant. And they come in, and he goes, hey, how you doing? How you doing? And everybody's like, oh, what do you want, Kojak? Like, they know him all. That, that's hysterical. Yeah. Finding that, that line that is acceptable for network TV and acceptable for the kind of um, wash, rinse, repeat TV that, that, that the show wants to be, of, of he'll beat somebody up, but he only, he only ever beat up bad guys, uh, and only ever beat up people who did it. And if they're wrong, they'll admit it. Um, it's an interesting thing to watch with a with a modern lens, maybe. It it is, and I think it goes back to like uh, you know when I said that you know you couldn't have it on TV today. Uh, obviously, I mean on you know network, you know one of the big three networks. You know, obviously you can get away with it more on cable and stuff. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a neat fun. It's it's it, oh boy, I'm at a loss for words because you basically just said it. I'll just say yeah, you're right. How about that? <laughs> That's what I'll say. I'll take it um, for for now. But I want to know your thoughts on on the character because I mean, for me, so much about this show. There's a lot of things that that really do work about Kojak, and is why it made such a mark so quickly. It was a hit right out right out the gun, right out the gate. Um, but it all come back comes back to Telus of Alles. Um, and what do you so for you as a performer, as someone whose job it is to grab everybody's attention when you're up on stage? What strikes you about Telly Savalas. What what does he do that's making this character work? Wow, that's a you know it's a it's a great question. It's actually an obvious question, and it's one that my brain doesn't. It, I have a I have a block when it comes to uh, acting. Even though theoretically I'm in this business, you know, I, I act every now and then. I don't act enough to be able to tell you about getting inside the mind of my character. I can't do any of that <laughs> BS. Um, so what do I like about this character of Kojak? You know, this doesn't answer your question, but it kind of uh, it kind of dances around it a little bit. I I watch it. He's so effing natural in this role, and I don't know enough Telly Savalas other things. I just remember him from the Players Club commercials of you know from the seventies, uh, the Players Club baby, and uh, where you know you got some card and you got a discount in Vegas, or I don't even know what the hell it was. But um, he's so natural in the role that he never looks like he's acting. You never think that he's acting. In fact, I spend most of the episodes going, I wonder if he improvised that line. I wonder if that line was improvised. Boy, that seems like he, he probably added that to it because he adds these little nuances that there's, you know, there's no way it would be in the script that he would go, ah, okay. Like he just like stutters unnecessarily, or he'll just like grab somebody's shoulder and touch it for way too long. And, like all these little uh, nuanced character things that he's chosen to do is what attracts me to the character. 
it's very it's very effortless while being it's, a very distinct character. No, you know what? I preferred my five minute version over <laughs> you saying it in two words. <laughs> but uh, I, I preferred me fumbling around trying to figure out how to form a sentence, even though I do it for a living than your two concise words. So thank you very much for making me look the fool, Kate. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, when, when you line it up for me, I can knock it down sometimes. Every now and again, I'll, I'll get okay. lucky there with it. But, uh, but, but you make an excellent point because I, I don't know Telly Savalas. I know nothing about Telly Savalas aside from Kojak, but it does feel like he, you kind of assume he was like this somewhat, right? He, is he playing Kojak or is there, there a lot of him in that? And, and if, if if it's not the case, then it's just a really good performance. But even if it is, I don't think that really d- takes anything away from what is a really memorable character. I don't think it does either. I think it's it, it, you know if it was it, and again I I haven't done enough research on this and, and again you think I would, but I don't know was it developed for him? Did he audition for it? Was it his idea? Like I don't know any of that, and I probably should have learned that before I got on the phone with you. But. Uh, and I don't know, like, I almost want to watch uh, old clips of him on talk shows to see maybe if this was him. Uh, you know, there's, there are clips on the, the viral clips on the Internet of him singing, you know, 70s ballads and stuff in that William Shatner way, but doing it his own way. And, uh, you know, he had a couple of albums out even uh, where it's basically him talk singing. Um, but at that point, is, it, is he being him or is he being what the people want him to be? You know, like Kojak singing. Is that what he uh, So, you know, I, I still don't even know if mm. it's him or uh, – why haven't we seen him in anything else, Kate? I don't know. Well, and it's also – I can also just plead some cultural ignorance here because I didn't have MeTV when I was growing up. Uh, and certainly this was before my time. And I haven't done enough work to, to seek out older television and, and uh, certainly the kinds of things that probably he was going to get cast – in from this but i do know that kojak uh he starts it starts out uh spelled k-o-j-a-c-k uh in and the character shows up in, in a different movie the mark and nielsen uh, nelson murders which was sort of based on an actual crime uh, an actual case um and then th- that character was spun off into the show changed the spelling of the name and uh it be it went from there. So, so I don't know if they just kind of saw, I haven't mm. seen that original made for TV movie, but if maybe they saw the, the, that film and said, you know, what really works is this guy, let's give him his own show. But clearly now, it spoke to something. Okay. Go ahead. Do you, do you, do you bring up that entire story to rationalize you misspelling Kojak in an email? Is no, that why you brought no. that entire thing up? No, but I was actually interested that that had happened. Uh, listeners, I, I have been misspelling the name Kojak. Uh, for way longer than I care to admit until Jimmy corrected me because uh, it, it just looks so much better without the C, I must say. It, it's well, much more striking. But didn't I, though, now, it, it, just so that people know I'm a decent human being, did I not <laughs> let it slide for about six to seven months? Yeah, you were super and, cool and, about it. <laughs> and then and then I said it in a very, I, I, in a list of fun things about what's going to happen, I included it, I think, I, I, think the way, I handled it very gently so that I didn't make you look foolish. I oh, was yes. a decent human being about it. Well, and I prefer to know so that I'm not making an ass of myself when I'm posting this podcast and somehow spelling it wrong still. But it's little, I don't know why they have a little change like that, but it's it's even just, it's more striking visually and and if it is an active choice, not just somebody had a typo somewhere in the process, uh, that, that speaks to an attention to detail that I think is interesting uh, on the show. 
because there's a lot of attention to detail, at least as far as I'm concerned, when you, when you look at the show, the kind of feel that they want is reflected all the way through, which takes me to my next point, which is I hate the new theme later in the show. What did they do to the theme? Because I love the early wait, wait, theme wait. song. Oh, oh, my God, right? When they go from the... Uh... That great da 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 Is that the first three seasons? Maybe it's that theme. Mm-hmm. And then they go to it's a, it's almost like a disco theme, right? Yeah, I it just was wrong because I watched a bunch of early stuff first, and then I caught some of the season five, and it was just it felt very wrong. It it, it feels wrong, uh, and even my son. Uh, who's eight years old? Uh, he does not watch Kojak. I don't want people to think my eight year old's watching Kojak after we just talked about asphyxi- uh, asphyxiation and uh, and the N word. Um, he I, uh, he thinks the there's a there's a part in the opening credits uh, in seasons one through three where Kojak is um, uh, he's at the bottom of the screen and he he kind of dodges his head from left to right and I I was telling my son about it. I don't know why I was telling my son this. Uh, but uh, I finally saw the episode that that clip was from, and Kojak is running down the street dodging bullets. People are shooting at him. And you would never know it by the way he just kind of dodges his head from left to right. It looks like he's just trying to like get out of the way of a bee maybe <laughs> and to think that there's these bullets flying at him. Anyway, long story short, we're watching uh, – I showed him the clip on YouTube of the opening credits, and then he said, well, what's this one, Dad? Uh, here's another opening credits. And then I showed him the – uh, the, the opening credits from season five. And he, eight, again, eight years old, he goes, this is way too long. Like, even <laughs> he knew it was, a, that was a long way to get to that story, but even he knew this isn't right for this show that I've never even watched. Yeah. Well, and, it, and getting used to the pacing of a, a show from the 70s, a co- like an hour-long procedure from the 70s, it's very different because it's not a 42-minute hour like it is now, or even shorter sometimes. It's a, like, 55-minute hour and you're um just the, the the amount of time spent even just like walking down the street or just living in some of these scenes it would be a lot tighter now so it's already a show that breathes comparatively um but yeah that opening credits for the the season is just it's way too long and what i also think is entertaining is is we talk about how this is a show that's that really is all about telly savalas <laughs> nobody else is even in the opening credits no, right. It's all it's all just pictures of him, and then uh, the the other co stars don't get their credits until the uh, the episode starts. Yep. Um, and uh, uh, to go back to what you just said, by the way, about how it breathes, uh, I love that. Like some of these episodes can open with it seems like five minutes. Of course, it's probably only forty five seconds, but it's still forty five seconds of them uh, watching a street cleaner. You know, the, uh, go down the street. Like here comes this car around the corner, and it's just a, it's just the street. The guy cleaning the streets, and they and that would never be left in a show today. They would go, all right, you got to lose that. That's unnecessary to the story. Whereas in this, you need it because it does, like you said, it sets that tone right away. Yeah, well, and even just the amount of time that they spend because. It dep- each episode is a little different. Um, they, they tend to be a few different like categories of episodes, but there's a lot of them where they do spend quite a bit of time with, with the villains of the piece and, and getting to know the relationships that they're going to have, that are going to be important, I guess, to the episode and how they're going to f- follow through. I like that. It's not just uh, every time you see somebody, you know that they're the one who did it, which is right. something that happens now in, in procedurals, but, but you get a, a better sense of who they are than maybe I anticipated. 
Uh, I agree with that. Yeah, uh, I, I got. I'm going to say I agree with that again. Uh, I do love that as well. Like uh, you know, you'll you, we'll spend almost a lot of Act One will be that bad guy at home, uh, like uh, putting together his lunch for the day, talking to his ma, and it's you know, it's all you know, mom, I'm having, I got to get ready for work, ma, and. You see him interacting with this, and you're like, why are we spending four minutes on this guy packing his lunch? Uh, but they are very nicely setting the tone of that character uh, so that later when he does you know, do something bad, you kind of go, oh, all right, that made sense. Then blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. Well, I, you've seen a lot more of this than I have. I was kind of dipping in and out of different seasons. But I'm cur- so I'm curious if I just happened to watch a fortuitous sampling or, uh, or what, because I certainly did not watch the episode that had a bunch of N-words. Uh, so that I may be talking on my ass here, but the episodes that I watched, there were a number where I was actually really pleasantly surprised by some of the racial politics. I think of an episode like the season two premiere, which is centered on this, this like gang of, I want to say Chinese Americans, yeah, but, but nobody has an accent, which is just so wonderful, <laughs> which doesn't even necessarily happen now. Uh, and I was noticing some other areas where maybe I shouldn't have been surprised, but I kind of was. Is that something you would say is a thread through episodes that you've seen, or did I just happen to watch some more sensitive episodes? No, I think you, I think, uh, I think you nailed it. I think, I think that's another thing that I love about it. And by the way, when I mentioned the thing about the N-word, it, it, was, it was used properly. It wasn't, it wasn't gratuitous in any way, shape, or form. It was, it, it was a, 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 a bigot. You know, it was a, it was mm-hmm. a, a bigoted a-hole who was throwing the word around, and then of course he got the the crap kicked out of him, um, and uh, so I think it was, and of course it was very much of the time in the early seventies, uh, you know, where that word was used, you know, certainly more uh, uh, freely than it is today. Um, but I but I agree with you in that uh, the show I think just really reflects real life, and without using the stereotypes that you would see on other shows back then, and. Uh, you know, the just you know the the, the Misohani type of Asian character, you know, that would pop up everywhere for some reason and was allowed. Uh, this was just yeah, oh, it's it's Asian guys, but it's Asian guys talking the way that Asian guys talk. Mm-hmm. Once yeah. again, I've just repeated what you said in four thousand words. <laughs> uh, but again, it, it's it's because they're people. They're not you know who in in they're that particular episode, they're yeah. not cartoons they're people and they've got a complex series of relationships and actually if anything was uh stereotypical that representation is at the end when kojak gets through to the grandmother kind of figure by adopting this really <laughs> entertaining shall we say uh, sense of i will invoke her honor as you know, the speaking to the immigrant experience and kids these days. So there's actually more kids these days uh, stereotyping, I think, than than anything else, which was sort of interesting to me. Uh, yeah, I'll, boy. Once again, I'll go along with that. Boy, you you've done you know more about this show in five episodes than I do watching five seasons of this effing <laughs> thing. And I just watch too much TV. It works out. Well, what did you think of uh, other elements of the show? Well, like what else stands out in your memory as indicative of Kojak and what, what keeps you coming back? Uh, you know, the, the, the relationships with the other guys in the, in the squad room, um, you know, there's a love there. You see the love that he has for his, uh, for his uh, staff, I guess. Is that the, is that the right word here to use when you're talking about the police? Um, 
you know, his crew with, you know, Stavros and, uh, and Crocker. And you see the love that he has with them, yet he's not, you know, he busts their balls. And, uh, you know, he calls, he calls his, you know, his brother plays uh, Stavros and he calls him fatso. But somehow it doesn't come off offensive. You know, it doesn't come off like, oh, why, why, why is he calling his buddy fat that's offensive and mean? Kind of, you know, it comes off uh, endearing. Um, and maybe that's, you know, again, speaks to how great Telly Savalas is that, you know, he's able to convey, uh, you know, his true love for the guy um, or his respect for the guy. Uh, so I like that. I like the relationships in the squad room. Um, I don't understand how Kojak's out on a different date every three episodes. That part's a little confusing. Um, he never stays with anybody longer than, uh, you know, two or three dates. Um but I think it's that. I think it's the relationship with the within the squad room that I that I dig. And in addition to that, everybody has respect for him and uh but it doesn't come off, you know, ass kissy. It's all I, I don't know. And again, I didn't live it, but to me it seems very real. It's it's very respectful while still being playful. And I think that that goes back to the relationship with the guys in the squad room. Um I I don't know how for me, I don't know how real it is because it would be like he would be a pain in the ass. You would not want to work. With Kojak, you would just be constantly like, yeah. I feel like all of his quirks are would be way less endearing in person. But I think they would too. Yes. But watching it, it's really fun, and everybody else. Cause he's, he's, it's one of those. He's so good at his job. You, you know, what are you gonna do? Not work with him. Um. Mm-hmm. But but watching it, it, it is a very comfortable atmosphere. So just like Savalas is really relaxed and embodying that role. It's he's a calming and encouraging sort of presence to watch. You get that vibe throughout, at least I do throughout really almost all, all the show. And and so when I'm watching, especially shows from, from the seventies and, and even earlier sixties, fifties, um, I just, there are certain things that I have my antennas out for. So I'm probably gonna not like the gender politics I've discovered a lot of the time, but right. it's, it's not, here, there's, for example, there's no female cops. That would be ridiculous on this show. Um, but um, but it's not... Wait, 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 wait. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think at the at the end of season three, they do introduce a, uh, a female detective. She's only around for a couple of episodes. Is she there to be a love interest? I, I don't... I can't remember exactly. I don't think so, but I, I, think, cause okay. I think she goes undercover. Okay. And I think she's there for like a three episode arc, but you know what? Now that you say is she there for a love interest, you, you, you it maybe you know, now I feel bad. I wrote it up. <laughs> well, I have to go. I have to go check it out and see. But what I, what I was getting to was that it's actually the there's a lot of respect from Theo. Uh, he's got a lot of. He always, he's always running into somebody that he has a romantic past with, but they always seem to have ended things very fondly. Right. Um, there's a lot, and he's always very respectful of the different uh, female uh, mob bosses or, or, you know, madams or whatever they run into. He he does, he, there's a lot of respect. Uh, and I feel like that gives, puts a positive spin on what could be a problematic area of the show. And I feel like that's kind of, throughout the show, There's there tends to be a general oh. default setting of respect. Yeah, you, you know, the, the one thing that that I might contradict a little bit is I, I – and but I know it's a character choice, and, and so I, I, I say this loosely. Uh, I do think there's sometimes a condescension towards the women because you know, the way that he kisses their hand and kind of pats them on the head a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But again, I think that's a character choice that is more fun in keeping with that respect that you just spoke of. But there are times where we're like, why is he – why is he kissing the hand of the madam and, and treating her with respect? But in reality, she's just murdered somebody. But again, it's a choice in character. And I just answered my own question. And once again. Well, but also because um, they, the female characters tend to go along with what he wants, right? So yeah, don't... you're right. He's getting what he wants. He's getting what he wants. You're right. Okay, okay. We don't usually – well, and that's, I would say, a flaw in the writing that I don't know that the writers were thinking about or no, would have noticed this in – at least in the, again in the episodes that I was watching, wh- why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't they just do whatever Kojak wants? Clearly, he's right. <laughs> you know, so I don't know how <laughs> right. frequently they make him wrong or give him uh, competent people to stand up to. Well, he's the. Uh, did you did you happen to watch the one with Sylvester Stallone? I did, which was a very interesting episode, uh, listeners. If you don't know, he spends the first half of the episode defending uh, a questionable shooting by fellow cops, Sylvester Stallone. And then the second half of the episode, after he's convinced everybody that it was okay, realizing that he's wrong and fixing it. Yeah. Uh, which I, again, I, th- I thought was neat that he, that they showed both sides of that, uh, for the character where it's like, he was so strong and he's going to defend his cop and then, Oh shit, I'm wrong. And then he's got to, uh, again, go the other way. Well, I think from Stallone, we can jump off just briefly here as we wind things up to the, guest cast because there are a lot of really fun guest casts who, who, who pop up i particularly liked going back to season two ruth gordon as a psychic oh my god how, cra- how crazy is that episode by the way it's ridiculous but it's really fun it's uh I, there's something about ruth gordon that i never really dug she was i never really uh, understood her appeal uh but in this episode she is really really fun um and but it's ridiculous that i that, that that's one that, that's one episode that I think is, uh, if I have to rank them, it's not one of my favorites um, because I just think it gets a little cartoony. Yeah. Listeners, that's one where Ruth Gordon plays a psychic who has seen a murder a few hours before it happens, and it, it it's a whole thing. Uh, did you have other uh, favorite episodes that come in, stick to you in your memory or, or guest performances or – any final thoughts on Coach? Oh, that's a great question. You know, uh, Daniel J. Travante ends up showing up in a bunch of episodes. I think he does a great job. And then uh, Charles Napier, uh, although I think he's in that Stallone episode, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, who's the other guest? Well, there's one where uh, there's also some beautiful women, like the like 70s style, you know, starlets that show up. And, you know, they're either call girls or even street uh, uh, walkers. Yet there's that gorgeous kind of early seventies, you know. They maybe they were on the cover of Playboy, and they they're just gorgeous. Um, but I'm trying to think of the other some other guest stars. God. Well, we could throw out Andre Brower shows up for a while. Uh, oh, he's, at the end yeah, of the run, that is great. You know who the other uh, is the guy that plays the captain. Um, I don't know the actor's name, uh, but he too, he his relationship with Theo. Is is goes back to that word that you use, relaxed. Uh, that you know, there's these there's these two cops that are just so comfortable and trusting of each other that, and you see that in this effing one hour TV show. I think it's phenomenal. Mm. And that's Dan Fraser as uh, that's Frank, it, yeah. Frank McNeil. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and it was it's just fun it's trying to because I watch we watch a lot of TV here at the Televerse, an insane amount of TV, but it's very easy to get locked into 
sort of when you started watching or appreciating whatever form of art and forward and to not take the energy to, to go back and kind of see where some of the stuff came from. So it was really fun for me to dive in with Kojak and and put some shading around that ball guy with the lollipop. <laughs> so thank you so much. Well, of course, and I'm glad of that because um, it's, it's weird. And again, to kind of uh, piggyback on what you just said, there, there's so many things on TV and, you know, I'm behind on The Wire, for instance. I'm not caught up on The Wire or Friday Night Lights. Yet, for some reason, I find time every day to watch Kojak. I don't know how, why that's possible, um, but it's, I think it speaks to how great of a show it is. That uh, I just mentioned The Wire and Friday Night Lights, which are, you know, considered two of the best shows in the last decade. And yet, I find myself going to Kojak when I, you know, want to just sit and really just uh, immerse myself in a TV show. It's comfort TV, and there's nothing wrong with that. It is. You know, I went through a, a, a similar thing a few years ago uh, with Miami Vice, where I bought the Miami Vice uh, box set, and I watched it from beginning to end all over again. And its uh, I don't think it holds up in the same way that Kojak does, because I don't think it's as well done as Kojak, but I still think it's uh, got some moody, dark, interesting stuff that was going on that I wasn't aware of when it was on in the 80s. So uh, uh, that'll be another show for me to come on and talk to you about and just say I agree to every one of your great comments. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for talking, Kojak, uh, with bet. us. Uh, uh, Jamie, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, can I mention my charity event that's coming up? Absolutely. That's what I was about to ask, because you've got a podcast-a-thon coming up. So why don't you let our listeners know about that? If they haven't checked it out, they should definitely tune in. Uh, okay, great. Thank you. Uh, podcast-a-thon is the 12-hour marathon of my podcast, Never Not Funny. Uh, it'll be on March 5th. It'll stream at nevernotfunny.com. And it's basically a telethon to raise money for Smile Train, uh, the great organization that goes to third world countries and performs the surgeries to fix the cleft lips and cleft palates of people that couldn't otherwise afford to have it done. Uh, each surgery uh, takes about 45 minutes, only costs $250. So basically, for $250, you could change a child's life. Now, I'm not asking people to donate 250 bucks if they can't do it. Uh, but last year, we ended up raising $150,000. And, you know, obviously uh, every year you look to top that. And the show itself, like I said, goes for 12 hours. We have a different guest on every 20 minutes to a half hour. So we have like 30 different guests on, uh, you know, last year and uh, uh, years past. You know, Amy Poehler has been there. Conan O'Brien, John Hamm has come by, uh, Bob Odenkirk. Um, I'm trying to think of all the, you know, big names that have come by from time to time. And um, but they come by and they're all uh, you know, Adam Scott was there last year. Uh, they donate their time uh, for this great cause, and uh, uh, so if anybody wants to listen to it or watch it, because it streams live, like I said, uh, you can watch all 12 hours at NeverNotFunny.com. Donate, and as cliched as it sounds, uh, that little bit of money changes a person's life. Well, it's wonderful that that's something, you, and you've been doing this for for years, because I remember uh, back when I, I was listening to Never Not Funny when you guys started it's basically as soon as you guys were going and i had internet i was listening to never not funny so. oh my gosh well first of all thank you and uh and yeah this is our seventh one we've been doing it uh, since uh 2009 and um uh, the podcast i found we've been doing the podcast since 2006 believe it or not but uh uh yeah this is our seventh uh podcast and we've raised uh, close to a million dollars now for smile train and um you know it's uh again i know i i it just it's so easy to say that uh that you could change a life. I went down to Mexico this past year to watch the doctors perform the surgery and meet some families and meet the children that have had the surgery done and then meeting some kids before they had the surgery done. And it's 
I know, again, I'm, I'm overusing the word, it's cliche, but it really is to say it's life-changing. Uh, but to go down there and actually experience that was life-changing. And uh, I'm glad I went, and I it, you know, have a better understanding of where all this money goes, and it's really, really uh, a great cause. Yeah. Well, where else can our listeners, if they don't know, which they should, but if they don't, where else can our listeners find you and your work online, Jimmy? Well, you go to jimmyparto.com, of course. My Twitter is at Jimmy Pardo. And, uh, you know, nevernotfunny.com is where, you know, everything for the podcast is. But, you know, jimmyparto.com is your, you know, your center spoke, and then everything branches out from there. Okay. Thank you so much again, Jimmy, for coming on. It was, it was a pleasure talking with you. Thanks, Kate. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse.